welcome to the Digital Roundtable, where me, your host, Mario, and my co-host, Jeff, Hi. we talk about movies, media, video games, things that we like, mostly movies. Always feel free to uh, catch us live. Uh, now you can uh, do it in in our in the YouTube channel. I, I just I'm on YouTube. I'm streaming on YouTube. Uh, it's a it's a one stop shop. I was putting out videos on YouTube, so if you want to keep up to date on the date, you can also catch our previous podcasts. Uh, put it up on YouTube. But also, if you want to listen to us on your ride to work, you want to listen to us while you're at work. You want to listen to us on your lunch break. You want I don't know. I for some reason I just assume everyone listens to podcasts at work. Uh, you, you know, you just want to slack off at work and listen to us. Feel free, feel free to uh, check out one of our podcasts on your podcast service of choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we're on uh, some other ones as well. So yeah, give us check us out, let us know, and then um, hit us up in the comment section with uh, what you think and what you what you want to hear next. So Jeff, all right, uh, so we're on this new thing. Uh, there might be some tech digital difficulties, as I call them. I've already had a couple. I'm I'm already having one right now. So I had one. Uh, I'm completely new to this. Uh, there's my moderator. So boom, he's it's now official. You're now a moderator here, uh, Ezio. Welcome, Ezio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. First problem I'm seeing, and Caitlin tried to warn me about this, but it's okay. I um my chat's not showing up on screen. <laughs> so that's okay. Mm. Another thing so is won't be in the VOD. Oh well. Uh, my um, my top banner right here is not uh, doing its thing. So I either need to figure out a way to connect my YouTube to stream elements, or I need to, you know, I'll, that's a future Mario problem, right? That's something I'll do yeah. tomorrow. I uh, think also if you do a YouTube live session when you watch the vod back after it's already recorded the chat replays automatically yeah like the chat room is still there and it like things appear in the same order and time frame that they originally oh that's did. cool i like that because then they'll like if i just start randomly yeah. talking to chat they'll be like i think twitch does the same thing so that's cool they'll see like what yeah. chat said or yeah, I'm not. Yeah. It doesn't look like I just start hearing things and uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> speaking out to it. Uh, okay, but anyways, we're here. We'll roll with the punches today. Oh, today, today, today. Let me tell you about today. So mm -hmm. we are. Jeff brought. Jeff uh, reminded me. This is kind of old news, but it's something that um, I'm glad that like Jeff is willing to talk about with me. Uh, so. We had some directors and something, uh, some people uh, speak out in the past. Most recently, the guy who is directing Dune. What's his name? Denis Villeneuve. Okay. Uh, Denis, say that again. I'm so sorry. So uh, I'll, I'll write it in the chat, but it's it's D E N I S. So you like we would say Dennis, but like he's French, I believe. So it's like oh, Denis. Denis. And then the his last name looks like Villanueve, but just say Villa, and then the N E U V E just kind of falls off. So it's Denis Villeneuve. Oh, it's like okay. it's like you don't pronounce the V; it just kind of softly fades out. Denis Villeneuve. Interesting. Okay, so 
Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Okay. All right. You're going to, you know how I am about this kind of stuff. So you're probably going to have to correct me a couple more times with that. But, uh, (laughs) we're going to, we're going to go with it. So he recently said that the MCU or the, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. Another technical, another digital difficulty. Uh, I'm streaming on OBS, but OBS does not... I don't know if this is something that Kate accidentally did or what, but OBS does not have the chat up on it. So the way I initially had my screen set up that uh, Caitlin forced me to change uh, was the most efficient way for me to do this. Hold on. I have to move things around now so that I can... I can... I can... Make sure I'm interacting with chat. Okay, we're good now. So, uh, he recently uh, sent out a tweet of uh, saying that like uh, we the Marvel movies are copy and paste. They're just, you know you take you take a Marvel movie and you just copy and paste uh, it and it and like I can see where the sentiment's coming from, but he's not the only like director that's spoken out against Marvel movies. Yeah. We had a you know good old Marty Scorsese a while back saying that uh, the su- I, I think Scorsese technically was just talking about superheroes in general. I don't recall if he was specifically targeting Marvel. That's um, he was but saying, like, I do films. also remember him saying like he tried to watch like and I'm paraphrasing, but he tried to watch one of them once and couldn't do it. So it's like. Yeah, he made this big, bold statement, but he also blatantly said, like, I didn't even watch an entire one. So it's like, <laughs> well, okay, cool. Like, it's, and, and again, like, I, I look at that where it's like, all right, it's fucking Martin Scorsese, like, saying some stuff about, who cares? Like, yeah. Move on. Yeah, exactly. But Denis Villeneuve, I think, is in a different territory because even though he has not yet technically made a superhero movie, he makes these big kind of high budget, high concepts, you know, uh, playing in the genres of sci-fi, a little bit of fantasy, um, but he makes these big kind of spectacle movies. And I think where he's coming from is like, no, 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 no. What I'm doing is like art and what they're doing is like making money. Like making a product. Yeah, or, or yeah, ma- like making a product because yeah. it's like his movies make a lot of money as well, and I, I think we can all predict that, you know, obviously COVID and everything willing, like Dune is gonna make a shit ton of money. Yeah. So, the okay. So, what projects has he worked on in the past? Uh, I'm glad you asked. So he did uh, Arrival. Which was, uh, which I still have not seen. Okay. Um, but it was like Amy Adams talks to aliens and that sort of thing. Uh, he also directed Blade Runner 2049, which was the sequel to Blade Runner. I did see that. It's like one of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, and my computer just froze, so I can't pull up his IMDb. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> cause I want to, I want to say other movies, but I want to make sure that I am correct before I say them. So, Mario Vance, while I figure out why... Okay, it sounds like Jeff's entire system is uh, is, is dying. So, the... 
what I find interesting is um, one. I'm not saying that directors or people in the industry shouldn't speak their opinion, right? Like they can say whatever they want. Honestly, it doesn't bother me either way. Um, at the end of the day, it can be seen as an opinion or it can be seen um, uh, however you want to say it. I think he's back. Okay. I <laughs> I think it is. It, it, I think it's interesting. And I think it, like with people in those positions, you know, you you want to be kind of like careful uh, because if you say if you're someone with high like reputation, you say Marvel movies are bad. I feel like you're kind of just you're kind of doing a disservice to like people in the industry or people that do work on it because uh, obviously you're you're in the industry and you're part of the business so you know uh, the things that uh, some people have to go through to make this make these things happen and to say that they're bad you're kind of talking against all the people that put a lot of like passion and love and hard work into it. Uh, not only that, like there's a difference between saying. I don't like Marvel films and then just saying Marvel films are bad, right? Like you are, you're trying to put a statement. You're trying to put like a stamp of approval or a stamp. Like, like you're trying to label this as, or these are things that shouldn't uh, be remembered in history. And I think whenever you go into that territory, like that's like where the responsibility kind of comes in. That's why people probably like look at you and I'm like, well, if you're gonna say that the Marvel films are copy and paste, but um, not understand, but then you yourself are going through and doing films that are similar, and, and what I think is real funny is, um, you know, uh, Denis, Denois, Denis, Denis, <laughs> Denis, uh, you know, the thing that connects your thigh to your shin, Denis, Denis, yeah, yeah, I think oh, that's. Uh, <laughs> How could I forget that that thing? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, uh, oh Denis, I see what you did there. That took me yes. way longer. I thought you were actually using like a Latin I feel better terminology. About a word. Lame dad joke. Now that it, it took you a second to yep. to scroll up on it. Yep, that that did take me a minute to catch. So, uh, <laughs> what I find funny is he's talking about how he makes art and how. Uh, or he says that they're doing copy and paste and this isn't me just like, um, I don't want this to come off as me like attacking this guy and saying, Oh, he shouldn't have said that ever or blah, blah, blah. I think it's kind of ironic and it makes me kind of, I almost think it's a publicity stunt. Honestly, I almost think it's just a way to get attention and get people moving towards Dune because Dune one doesn't have the best reputation and two has a very niche audience. Well, it also is an extremely important movie for Warner Brothers right now because it's, I mean, first of all, just because it's a big, gigantic, expensive movie and they would like to make their money back as well as a a healthy amount of profit on top of that. But because the property that it's based on is so dense and sprawling, this is part one. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't well, know how widely that is known, but the movie Dune is only half of the source material that it's based on. And they are, like, 
pulling their hair out, hoping that it makes enough money to justify making the rest of the movie, essentially. Yeah. The... So, okay, okay, okay. So, because this movie is only half of the first book. It's not even the entire... Right. It's not even the entire first book. It's only half of it. So... Right. And, and this is my thing. It's like, if you watch the trailers, when we did our trailer podcast, if you go back and you watch that video, or you go back and you listen to that podcast, I compare the um, 1980s, 1990s Dune... Mm-hmm. to the one that's coming out this year of 2021 and they they show they're, they're showing a lot of similarities they're showing a lot of homages but like just like hey you know if you were fans of the older old dune don't worry we're using kind of the same cinematography and we're doing kind of the same stuff it's going to be a different story that's going to take you know and they're, they're doing a lot of the same scenes and it's like how are you going to get onto marvel for copying and pasting but then you're going to go and you're going to uh, like blatantly use like the same type of material. And I'm not saying it's bad to use that type of material. I'm just saying, obviously, you understand why they're doing it. And, and I don't think he was trying to down talk Marvel at all. I genuinely think this was like, if I talk about it, if I if I talk about Marvel, I'm going to get like eyes are going to be put on me. Because there's no way you could put a, post something out like that and not expect people to have a response. Because that's just what exactly. you do, right? Like, like sometimes I'll do that. Sometimes I'll say something on on stream on chat and just to get a response from people. Uh, and I and I, I play around with it. That's how I engage with my chat is by saying stuff like crazy things like that. Like, like I will purposely just talk bad about PC on stream and people i'll be like yeah console like is way better pc there's a couple of good things but there's not there's this it's not that great it's not worth it i will get people coming at me but you know what it sparks conversations i talk to them we talk to each other we have a you know we have a moment and then i tell them like nah nah guys you know i'm doing my thing you know i'm I'm obviously playing on a pc right now so uh yeah and I, I really do believe that this is this is kind of what that is. Uh, I, I agree with you that um, I, I think the thing for me that we also have to address is that this quote was taken from a print interview. This was not him on camera saying these things. It was he said them to a reporter who or, or to a journalist who then put it in the context of a written article. I so thought he tweeted contact... it. No, it was an interview that he did with uh, somebody, but the but the quotes then blew up on Twitter, where it was like like that was the headline. It was like That's a clickbaity weird. thing where people were like retweeting the article. So I, I so I think what's to, to your credit, like the thing that we have to address is like context is not part of this. We don't know how he said it. We don't right. know kind of the vibe that he was trying to give off. The other thing that that I just wanted to mention was, for me personally, I don't have a problem with anything that he said. Neither do I. The thing that that kind of, I I hate using the word trigger because it comes with so many connotations these days. But the thing that triggered in my brain when I started seeing the headline was, oh my God, the reaction to this. Like, I don't have a problem with, Denis Villeneuve saying whatever he wants to say. Same thing with Scorsese. It's like, guys, like filmmakers say things. But I knew that 
certain like certain factions of the fan base were gonna take this in or in context or out of context or whatever and just be like oh who the fuck is this guy he's talking shit da, da, da. and it's like no guys he's not talking shit but of course you like you can't talk to certain fans that way because they just and so my thing was more of like my reaction to this was like dude i don't care what your opinion is like have your opinion that's fine but i think that filmmakers need to understand that when you say stuff it will absolutely be taken out of context like we remember wandavision when Paul Bettany was like, oh my god, you guys, there's a cameo in the last episode, and I got to do a scene with an actor, and boy, oh boy, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's pretty amazing stuff. And he was making a joke, because he was talking about the scenes that he did with himself. You know, because yeah. he plays regular Vision and White Vision, da-da-da. And people like slaughtered him online for it, to the point that like they got him an emergency interview on good morning america on the day that that episode aired where he can be like guys i'm sorry it was a joke i didn't i wasn't thinking ha ha ha, ha. but it's like yeah you gotta understand that like like i mean <laughs> mario <laughs> there there are smart fans like me and you who know that you know filmmakers and actors and people just be shooting the shit sometimes like yeah. we don't care yeah but there are some people who get really freaking angry about this stuff and they potentially act irrationally um after they read something after they hear something and so to me that's kind of what this conversation about is like filmmakers it's great for you to have opinions but maybe just be aware that you have certain fans who will act all just act up just just act a fool sometimes right and you know that's kind of what i was trying and you said it probably better than me and that's kind of what i was trying to say earlier Mm -hmm. was yeah like i think whenever you whenever someone says something and, and the way you say it you have to understand whenever you say it this way especially with as big as you are there is kind of like this like responsibility behind it but at the same time you should be able to say whatever you want especially mm-hmm. here and not be Absolutely. not you know not have to worry about people uh hating you for it uh mm-hmm. and it's your opinion right like it's your you, so like i i think with scorsese you know he was putting his stamp on something and mm-hmm. a lot of people will take that to heart a lot of people will do that let me get this second hydrogen real quick. <laughs> I gotta figure out how to do the emotes. I gotta figure out how to put chat on screen. I gotta figure out how to get my <laughs> stream elements to connect with my... I think if I just go to stream elements and I connect it with YouTube, everything will be fixed. Um, but then we gotta... I don't even know if this... Uh, I don't think YouTube has um, ways to interact with the with chat like how Twitch does, and I think that's something YouTube is going to be faulting at. But I'm they're they're dumping a lot of money into this. Google's dumping a lot of money into this, so I'm pretty sure oh, we'll. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm yeah. pretty sure we'll get some good stuff later on. But as a community, we'll make sure we stay on top of that. Don't worry, I'll keep up with the traditions. <laughs> I gotta figure got out you, how to change my name on chat so I don't actually. So it's not. So it's actually X, not my real name. Yeah, you're gonna have to. 
Uh, I had to figure out that too. So it's it's gonna be your YouTube thing, or it's gonna be whatever your Google account is connected to your YouTube. So you'd go to your Google settings uh, for that account, and you would change like your first and last name. So like you can get rid of your last name and just put like uh, whatever name you want in your first name, whatever tag or whatever on there. Uh, but you should be you should be good. See how like digital heroes spaced out? It's because it's like it's treating it like an actual name. I need to go back there and fix it. Uh, <laughs> I see. It's like it's treating it like it's an actual like. Oh, that's your first, <laughs> middle, and last name is Digital Hero One Hundred One. I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> the uh, and, and and you know like whenever you do something like that, whenever you. You say, like, if I, again, I'm going to use my PCs thing again. If I say PCs, it's different if I say I don't like PCs and that's it, right? But then if I say PCs are bad, right? Or if I say I think PCs are bad compared to PCs are bad, I am putting a, um, now it's got both. Nice. <laughs> I'm putting like uh, I'm putting my own stamp on there, and I'm <laughs> I'm basically making a statement. And and especially if I if I have people that uh, listen to what I say, and uh, you know they they might take that and put that somewhere else. And so I think there is sort of this like weird responsibility that comes with uh, the weight of what you say. But at the same time, reverse that people shouldn't take it to heart so closely you know what i mean like exactly. <laughs> people shouldn't anyways so there so how how do we tra- transvert transverse this traverse this traverse that's the word i'm looking for how do we traverse yes. this i think like when it comes to the mcu i and obviously there's a lot of people working on it there's a lot of talented actors and actresses that are going towards it there's uh, you know, it's been going on for over a decade, and it's the same story that's just been continuing and evolving and growing. Uh, and whenever you want to look at any film, and today we're just going to specifically talk about the MCU, and we're gonna we're gonna go off of these guys and what they said. And <laughs> Jeff, feel free to pivot however way you want. The I think that the MCU, uh, what it what it does. As films, is I can understand where um, Denis is saying that they're copy and paste, but uh, and that's oh, kind of like superhero films are kind of because you have to do superhero origins for everyone, and they're kind of using the same. You know, a lot of times you hear people say, "Oh, well, Marvel or Disney's very like formulaic; it's a formula." And for that, I say, you know, if it ain't broke, right? I think right. With, so here's the thing. With Star Wars, you can compare Star Wars to the Marvel Cinematic and uh, very easily. Especially since they're owned by the same conglomerate. conglomerate? I'm trying to use all these words today that I can't say apparently. <laughs> uh, since they're owned by the same company now. But you look at Star Wars. And recently in the Star Wars community, so I'm going to bring up another name. There was a book that was written on... Uh, there was a book written by... Ah, I really should be better oh, at doing my homework. George Lucas's ex-wife, right? Yes, George Lucas's ex-wife. Who edited A New Hope? She edited. She was like, she edited the original films because she, if it wasn't for her, Emperor, because they were just gonna have Emperor Palpatine fall down the reactor and go splat. 
but she was like, no, let's like have this huge explosion and let's make the whole Death Star like, you know, get all blue and stuff after he falls down the pit. Uh, So she gave she was the reason Emperor Palpatine got like this huge cinematic explosion. But she recently said about Star Wars. So this is. We're, we're trekking away a little bit, but uh, I'm gonna. It's gonna come back to it. She recently said how like she saw the prequels. She saw Episode One: Phantom Menace, and I'm super excited because I actually it, it's Star Wars related, and I and I already know what you're about to say. Like, I, <laughs> I, I followed this story away from you, and, and you you're the person I go to for all my Star Wars shit. Oh man, you might know more in the story than me then, because I recently because I saw it, but I and I delved down the rabbit hole a little bit. But I didn't get to do it enough, more than I wanted mm-hmm. to. Because, again, I've had a busy week with my birthday and all this other stuff that's going on. Yeah. Um, oh, Marsha, Marsha Lucas. Marsha Lucas. Thank you. Marsha. Yes. Uh, she she said that she cried when she saw Phantom Menace. Uh, and I think I don't think there were tears of joy. I think she was very much, like, upset with where the uh, franchise was going. And she thought she was going to go into Phantom Menace and uh, and see it. She was going to see Anakin dismantling the Jedi Order from within. And now we kind of got that in the third film. But, you know, the people thought that's where it was going to start. And that's what the next trilogies were going to be was Anakin figuring out why the Jedi Order is just no good and how they should. But instead we got, you know, young Anakin and we got this and we got. Now, I grew up on the prequel trilogies. And growing up on the prequel trilogies, um, I, I have this this strange nostalgic love and passion for them but i can definitely see because the the sequel trilogies are the equivalent of the prequel trilogies for those people for me and um she kind of had the same sentiments with the sequel trilogies she was saying that the executives did not understand Star Wars. They didn't understand the heart of Star Wars. They didn't understand the story of the Skywalkers, and they didn't understand, like, they killed... She didn't like that they killed off Han Solo. She didn't like that... How, you know, how Luke was... died and stuff. Like, they completely... They took the brand and the story of Star Wars, and they made it something else and and the reason i brought up the fact that she cried at the prequel things is for one of two two things so this is someone that worked on the original films so a lot of a lot of star wars fans we disagree about a lot of things but we can all really agree that we we love the the original trilogy um she didn't like the fact that they they cut george lucas out uh because he was supposed to be like a consultant whenever they were making the sequels and mm. once they got all, once they gained ownership, they said, yeah, we're good. Thank you. That all went away. That, yeah, huh. that all went away. The The whole thing about being a consultant, the whole thing about, you know, having, still having some say in the, in the films. Uh, and if you like the sequel trilogies, you know, I like, I like aspects of the sequel trilogy as well. Um, but Rise of Skywalker, I, I did not like it. I didn't like Rise of Skywalker, and 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 if you like the sequel trilogies, that's the power to you. That's good. I'm, there's good. But what I'm getting at is that there are people in the industry that will say something, and a lot of people will hold on to that, and a lot of people will have have 
have like have like they they will have sway or it will it will influence the minds of people and some of it sometimes it is um it's very much uh like i don't know the word i'm looking for but it's very much needed it's very much i think like having um marcia lucas speak out and that kind of thing kind of helps a lot of fans that were in denial or that were struggling with the sequel movies right um and but then if you compare her experience because she actually worked on the film she actually has a hand in the project her saying that is different than scorsese saying that marvel films are bad right because he or superhero films i shouldn't say marvel superhero films are bad because he right. he, he doesn't really have his hand in the jar he's expressing an opinion right yeah. and and so like as fans you should I'm not saying you should do your homework and like, but but I'm saying like, don't be so ready to jump on the hate train just yet. And I think there are times where it's appropriate. I think whenever like Marsha Lucas speaks out, it's a little more appropriate for you to be a little more melancholy about the situation. However, whenever you have someone like Denis speak out, I feel bad because I'm not saying his last name because I don't know him in real. What's his last name again? Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Whenever you have someone like uh, Villeneuve speak out, then it's, it, you know, again, I don't think that's a place where anger needs to come up. I don't think there's a place where you need to be, quote unquote, triggered. Because um, he doesn't really, his hand's not in the pot there. And, 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 and well, hold on. I take that back. It kind of is. Yeah. It kind of is. And for him to say, it kind of makes him seem hypocritical or ironic but at the, but i think like the reason i'm saying his hand is not in the pot in this scenario is because he's he's specifically talking about marvel he's not talking about like superhero films he's talking about marvel and i can right. i can see where that sentiment's coming from because almost everyone that i've spoken to has like agreed that marvel has a very formulaic way of doing things well they absolutely do yeah. like i mean it- Cinematography wise, it's it, it, I I can't tell the difference. Really, <laughs> that's and, very and again, yeah. Like, that's very true. Like, you can you can look at like like tech. You can look at the way that the camera moves, and technically, you can look at like the lighting setup. But specifically in terms of the color timing, like the color correction process they all look exactly the same mm-hmm. and, and and that's something that like i absolutely agree with him on because because in the interview he says something uh i, I had it up um uh, refine real quick uh, if we're talking about marvel the thing is all these films are made from the same mold some filmmakers can add a little color to it but they're all cast in the same factory yeah and that i 100 agree with yeah like, i can, can agree look with at, that shang chi and you can look at Eternals, and and even though we haven't seen the the entirety of eternals yet like you can look at some of those shots and be like oh yeah two directors worked on both of these movies but in terms of the color correction it's like oh yeah these are clearly part of the same continuity part of the same like these are the same story essentially in a way i think uh this is I am in no way trying to rebuttal uh, what um, Venu I'm gonna Vinny. write this down. Vani. Yeah. So instead of okay, Vani. 
Vani. I got this. I got this. I'm thinking of your dad joke, and I'm just putting a V in front of it. <laughs> well, but it, but it's a it's a D though. It's a D as in dog. No, Denis. not not Denis. His last name. Because I wanna I wanna yeah. address him by his last Denis name. Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Just think about it phonetically. Yeah. Villeneuve. Just villa, like the word villa. Like like you you go on vacation and you stay at a nice villa and then just put the word new at the end of it. Denis Villeneuve. Right. No, I have the worst short-term memory, so I, I wrote it down on a sticky note, and it's going, like, right on my computer right here. No worries, man. Boom. All right. It's there. Thank you for your patience, Jeff. <laughs> no, you're good, dude. I just, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to disrespect the guy and stuff like that, so I, I'm trying to... Uh, okay, so Denis Villeneuve, he... I Now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> He, oh, I'm not trying to rebuttal what he's saying, uh, yeah. with what I'm saying. I think it's, I, I, I don't, I'm sure they do it on purpose. I'm pretty sure they do that on purpose because the movies look uniform. Cause then you can watch all the, like, it almost gives you this idea like, oh, they're all connected still. Right. Like the, it's just kind of yeah. like the small little trick that's going on in your brain, uh, that's telling you that they're all still connected. Yeah, and and I think because again, like like for my money, the the issue that I have is like, who cares what Denis Villeneuve has to say about the MCU? And I would even go further and say like, hey Denis, like why do you think it's necessary to state on record what you think about the MCU? Like, they make the movies the way that they make movies. You make movies the way that you make movies. Let's yeah. all just coexist. Like we're all make we're all different types of people making different types of movies, you know. And like same thing with Christopher Nolan, who this is a whole other thing uh, that we won't get into because it's not relevant to the topic. But like Christopher Nolan has his opinions about the way that movies should be made, and I'm like, hey, that's great, Christopher Nolan. I used to like you, but I don't like you anymore. But I'm not gonna freaking. Ooh, can we can we open up that jar it? of worms right now? Just, I mean, it just, I, I don't, I, I feel like, I just really feel like Christopher Nolan is extremely pretentious. And he, <laughs> like, I, I, my feet, and uh, I, I don't care. Like, I, it's weird. Like, I've, I've found myself getting progressively and progressively more angry about things going on in the movie industry and, like, ooh, I read this article. Like, okay. Fuck, we're going to open a whole other can of worms real quick. Okay, let's do it. So the fucking... And, and we joked about it at your birthday party because we were playing Mario Kart. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to play Chris Pratt. <laughs> Dude, I don't... I, I, I don't think I like Chris Pratt anymore. Because to me, he just seems like a guy who has just gotten so big for his britches. And I don't think he's an asshole or like a douchebag or anything like he's not that you know archetype but it's like like when i saw the announcement that chris pratt had been cast as mario in a new animated mario movie i had to phrase it that way just in case people listening didn't know what we were talking about which <laughs> let's be honest if they're listening to your podcast they they know um it's like like i read that casting and i was like yeah because he's hollywood's golden boy he fucking gets everything why not like he's he's he he's a guardian of the galaxy. He's in Jurassic World, which has its own like third installment coming out next year or later this year. I don't fucking remember who gives a shit. Um, but it's like really like Chris like just be because he's a movie star. Yeah. Like be because he like, and again, I'm not saying like 
because the the thing that happened with that is i saw a shit ton of people and this is kind of what we're talking about actually is is the fan reaction um is people were so enraged that because it directly ties into the fact that chris martinet who has voiced mario in the video games for like the past 20 plus years or whatever is in the movie he's just playing some sort of top secret cameo or he's doing like like his voice will be in the movie he's just not playing mario like it's going to be a little easter egg cameo type thing Mm. and people are like what the fuck dude like you have chris martinet like right there but you're gonna fucking cast chris like what the fuck are you thinking this is insane like the 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 amount of times i saw the word or, or, or the sentence this is insane all caps or what were they thinking all caps i'm thinking like you guys have seen animated movies before, right? <laughs> like, like this is what happens. Like, yeah. and and we kind of talked about this with Invincible. It's like, yeah, you have, you know, J.K. Simmons and the dude from The Walking Dead and and all these people, and it's like, oh, but there are all, there's also Kevin Michael Richardson and uh, Fred Tattashore and like all of these voice actors who have been logging in years and years and years of work on video games and anime dubs and animated movies so it's like you have this great collective of okay here are celebrities but we're also going to balance it with you know voice actors that are known in the voice acting community right and so i'm looking at the reaction to this mario movie and it's like guys this is what happens like voice actors don't get cast in the lego movie or frozen or fucking any number of these like hey nobody was like oh man how come you're gonna cast the rock in a Disney movie, man, you got to get like, uh, you know, so-and-so who was, who did, you got to get Clancy Brown because he was in SpongeBob or, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so it's this thing of like, guys, this is how it's fucking done. But anyway, that's actually, yeah, that is on point. My going back to my thing, I'm I'm, I'm taking control. I'm stealing the show for a quick second. No, no, you're good. I can can circle back and actually answer the first question you asked me 45 minutes ago. I don't want to de. I don't, I don't want to distract you. Keep going. (laughs) But I'm just looking at this Chris Pratt thing, and it's funny that there's an image that sticks in my mind that makes me realize I'm going down this, like, downward spiral rabbit hole of I am angry nerd fanboy again. But I am suddenly reminded of the end credits of Avengers Endgame. Follow me here. So if you remember, there's like that big, huge, like long credit sequence because we're like, it's a huge cast of like 500 freaking people. And then we get towards the end of it and it's like with Michelle Pfeiffer, with Robert Redford, with Chris Pratt. And I'm like, wait a minute, why the fuck does Chris Pratt get the with credit? Because it, it, if you if you know anything about credits, like you have the names of the actors, and sometimes you have the with so and so, and then there's also the elusive and so and so, and that's typically reserved for okay. It's like here's an actor of like of renown and great royalty. There's like a regal thing that comes with when you see an actor's name in the credits, and they have the word with uh, uh, preceding Ooh, it. Oh, I didn't know that. And, I, and I'm, like, looking at it, and I'm like, okay, yeah, like, Michelle Pfeiffer, I get. She's, like, legendary. Robert Redford, I get. He's freaking legendary. Fucking Chris Pratt? 
and and it's not to say that like he doesn't deserve to have a with credit but it's like he's one of the main characters in this universe like it, and obviously you know when you get to the end like there's the big sort of like thing with mark ruffalo and scarlett johansson and like the avengers where they have like their signatures show up and yeah. all that stuff yeah but i'm and, and like that makes sense because like that's them kind of signing off like hey this is the end of the avengers as we know it that makes sense right um but chris pratt i'm like he he's the lead in in his own sub franchise of this bigger franchise and so it, it just became this thing of like oh my god i don't like why like why is and and so to circle back it's like why is chris pratt playing mario That's like like <laughs> find find a different actor who makes sense to play a fucking 50 year old plumber or like whatever age Mario is supposed to be in the context of this movie. Like it, it just doesn't make sense. He's not right for that role. I don't, you're casting him because he's freaking Chris Pratt and, and that's weird. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah. So Christopher Nolan, <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Nolan, uh, uh, there was this whole thing with HBO max announcing their plans for 2021. This is going back like, you know, a year, I guess a year at this point, because it was late in 2020 when they made the announcement that uh, that Warner Brothers made the announcement, hey, all of our movies that are coming out next year are going to simul release day and date on HBO Max. Okay. And that's why we've been able to, like, watch all of the Warner Brothers movies on TV at home because theaters are closed and blah, 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 blah. Christopher Nolan didn't like that. He thought that that was, and and to his credit, um, the way that Warner Brothers did this was it was kind of similar to the whole Disney, Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow thing, where they just announced it. They had not talked to anybody. Oh they my had gosh. not redone contracts, but they announced it, and then they immediately called up Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot to talk about Wonder Woman 1984 and be like, hey guys, here's what we're doing. Like, can we cut you a check for 10 million bucks? a piece and, and Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins were like yeah yeah sure whatever because you know they're not gonna make the points on the box office and all that kind of stuff so like they got on the phones and they hit the pavement and they were like blah 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 blah, blah. like we're, we're sorry but this is what we have to do because the pandemic blah blah blah, blah. Christopher Nolan steps up on his freaking soapbox and he's like I remember that's this. not how you that's not how you treat filmmakers and stars to which, you know, like you talk about people harping on the one thing that the person said. I'm about to harp so freaking hard of Christopher Nolan. I'm sorry, stars? Like, so you're saying you're better than us. You're saying that John... Because his thing was, like, he, he was talking about this because he was still doing press for Tenet. Like, keep in mind, Tenet had already been in theaters and done its thing. He Like, his movie is not affected by HBO Max. He's, he's like, his movie's done. It's yeah. already been in theaters. And that was the other thing that like really pissed me off was like, hey, Warner Brothers is like trying to to go with the flow here. Like we're still in lockdown and quarantine and, and movie theaters are barely open. They're, they're trying to figure out a way to make it work given the circumstances of the world right now. But cut to six months earlier when Christopher Nolan is like, my movie must be in theaters. Like, and it must come out now. People need to see this movie. That was the weird... Like, Tenet did not do... It bombed Yeah. at the box office. Which, again, is like... Again, to 
Christopher Nolan's credit, like people were like, well, yeah, because the movie fucking sucked. I knew it was going to. And it's like, no, it, it bombed because nobody went to the theaters because we were all in lockdown, motherfuckers. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm getting too distracted. My point is, is like, I just don't like Christopher Nolan. He's gotten on his soapbox about like, because he has now severed all ties. He has washed his hands of Warner Brothers and he's now over at Universal to kind of start a whole career with them. And it's like, dude, like, you were not affected by what they did whatsoever. And he's just kind of in this this mindset of, well, they did a thing that I disagree with, so I'm just going to move out. And it's like, it, it, he just, it just sounds like a disgruntled teenager. <laughs> like, literally, like, well, I don't like the way that mom and dad are running things, so I'm going to pack my bags and go out on my own. And it's like, dude, power to you. But, like, and, and again, I, I know I'm about to fall on the sword. Do you think... But, like, Tenet is the movie you're going to do this for? Like, bro. Like, again, if, if you like Tenet, that's awesome, but... That movie? That that's the one you're gonna be like. This is the most important movie in all of existence. And it, it, like, do you think you. if he would have addressed it differently? <laughs> do you think if he didn't, if he hadn't pushed his movie, it, you think that would have like affected it differently? If it well, had yeah. it surrounded Cause, himself. Because again, and, and and the reason like I, I really harp on him in terms of like being this having this pretentious like ego is because his whole thing with Tenet was it had to be in theaters. And, you know, the, people were trying to trying to work it out. Like, okay, well, what if we... Because drive-ins, um, like, I'm sure you heard about this as well as everybody else, like, drive-ins had a big resurgence last year because that was a way to see a movie on the big screen in yeah. a somewhat safe environment. You're confined only to your vehicle. Mm -hmm. You're not literally breathing the same air as the people around you. And his thing was, no, you don't go to a drive-in to see my film. Because people, because the way that drive-ins work is you like tune into a radio station that syncs up with the radio station that the audio of the movie is streaming to. Right. And that's how you hear the audio. You hear it through your car system. And Christopher Nolan is like, well, some people don't have good sound systems in their cars. So that's <laughs> not the way that they should experience my movie. Oh, and I'm this like, dude. And, and again, so, so here's my big thing with him. Because his thing is you must see it on the big screen in a, in a, in an approved theater and my thing is like so why do all of your movies go to dvd and blu-ray not everybody has a home theater system not everybody has a freaking 65 inch television or, or yeah, like whatever not everybody has a 4k tv like if you really like and that that's my thing if you really believed in the bullshit that's coming out of your mouth none of your movies would be released on physical media let alone dude it's possible to watch tenet on an ipod yeah because it's uh, it, available on itunes so so chat's over here saying i didn't know that movie i didn't know what that movie was i kept calling it the covid movie that's hilarious uh and you know what's funny is you want to know and here's the reason here's the here's the scummy reason which now i'm i'm, I'm understanding your point so i think like what you're saying, yeah, because he pushed his movie so hard, I that's that was his downfall. That was definitely his downfall. And these other guys, mm -hmm. except for um, uh, Villeneuve, I think Villeneuve is almost doing the same thing that Christopher Nolan's doing. And I, here's the thing: I'm going to discredit myself real quick. R real quick, I did not 
read the report. So did um, but Villeneuve's doing it for he was doing that interview for his movie, right? For Dune. Yes, and and to be fair, the journalist uh, basically asked them or, or asked him directly, like, "What are your thoughts on the MCU?" And why big budget movies are still relevant when they're coming from master storytellers. So that was kind of the separation. He was like, well, the MCU is doing this thing, but quote unquote master storytellers are doing this other thing. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So he, Where he cites Christopher Nolan as well as Alfonso Cuaron saying, like, you know, Marvel's doing their thing, but like people like me and Christopher Nolan and Alfonso Cuaron, like, we're making like artistic big movies mm, okay which is like okay. again like what, now i can anything? yeah why even why even take it that far yeah i don't like that uh <laughs> again See? what we said before is uh he can say whatever he wants it's not gonna ruin my day i i okay okay now i have a better picture of what's what's being said and what's being done Yes. Okay. I'm 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 on board with you right now, Jeff. <laughs> uh, yeah, and like with with Christopher Nolan, the uh, I'm gonna finish my point that I was saying earlier. This really kind of shoots him in the foot. Now, whether he wanted it to be this way or not, I can't say. But a lot of the times, before streaming services became such a thing. DVDs, and as I say this, Blockbusters is on the on the screen right now. DVDs and uh, straight to video. Oh, we, mu- we must be to Captain Marvel then. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, they made more money than uh, theaters. DVDs would make more money, or that was always something. If you didn't do great uh, on the theater, like the box uh, opening weekend or box office weekday or whatever. Mm. Uh, the DVDs would make up for it. You you just knew. Oh, okay. The CDs and DVDs we're gonna we're gonna make our money. Sometimes, if not a lot of times, it happened more often. And so, this transition to streaming service is hurting a lot of uh, movie makers. It's hurting. A, it's hurting the movie industry actually because uh, the the like Warner Brothers and Disney they are. The money's going straight to them now and not going back to, like, the actors are... Because uh, they're keeping old deals. They're, they're signing up for old contracts as if DVDs and Blu-rays and all that stuff is still going to make a lot of profit. But Disney, Warner Brothers, and them are evolving and transitioning with how technology's going and fixing up their 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 own ways of making money to how people are doing it too uh let me see this what chat's saying right now but like dune is also based off a book he didn't do anything with that storytelling and you know that's the whole reason we're having this conversation right like i yes i love that i'm going to get to that after i make this after i say what i'm going to say right here if he stayed true to the source material yeah it's not right how are you gonna that's my biggest thing is how are you going to like if the thing is we have to like this is the type of book where you don't fuck around with it you have to stay true to the source material isn't that cut and paste right isn't that what marvel's doing they're taking because if you want the what makes the mcu great is how true i'm not gonna say when i say true how honorable 
they are to the comics. And when I say honorable, I'm not saying they're reciting the comics one for one. They're putting a modern twist to the comics. And obviously it takes place in the Ultimate Universe, which means um, it's not the canon timeline for the comic book universe. But they they honor the comics so well. There's so many things. There's so many stories. There's so many characters that they that they put tribute to and they take inspiration from and that they make it work right and you and mm-hmm. you did the same thing with your dune trailer with your dune thing like watch the dune trailer watch the dune trailer that's been put out and then go watch the 1980s dune trailer they are nearly one to one why is because you are honoring the book you're honoring the previous source material you are what jeff just said copying and pasting now what is it that that uh artists say they say we do not copy we do not steal we are inspired all right you are inspired by this thing that is what they're doing in the marvel universe so now for him to say that now if he was talking about the cinematography like what me and jeff were talking about earlier i know i didn't get to finish my thought i might not finish it because i'm (laughs) I'm on this new train but if he was talking about the cinema cinematography and stuff like that Yes, I would agree wholeheartedly. But I I have to disagree with the whole like the storytelling because they're taking inspiration from this story and they're they're making it their thing and they're obviously going to keep making these movies, right? And it uh, and to me, uh, like I'm a I almost do the same thing every week, all right? I'm a I, I I'm not I'm not going to put myself on a high horse or anything like that, but to like for my personal experience like I, I'm a dungeon master. You can always catch my games live on Fridays. Now I'm going to be transitioning <laughs> to YouTube if you like at Digital Hero One Zero One. Listen to us on your podcast of choice. That's a shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> as a DM, I take inspiration from a lot of stories that I love and a lot of stories that I know, and and you know I rework them. And and it's hard to come up with completely creative new ideas but when you are obviously building a franchise when you're building a brand that is already known to the public what this is why i brought up star wars earlier this is another reason why i brought up star wars i'm so sorry jeff hold on i i'm 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 taking the show i'm stealing the show for a second go for it um, okay like an hour and we've only been streaming for 50 something minutes so (laughs) the the freaking uh, the, so okay okay, you you do not take a brand that's already been established in the world by fans. You do not cater to those fans and then give them something completely new. I'm gonna use a horrible analogy to do this. If I were to say I'm going to display the color blue, I'm gonna take the color blue and I'm gonna display it, and we're gonna make a huge tribute to blue, and we're gonna give blue. For 10 years, it's going to be nothing but blue. It's going to be blue, 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 blue. And then I show up with the color red. And I'm like, this is blue. This is the blue that we all know and love. But with a twist, he's now edgier. He's now filled with bloodlust. This is blue. But in modern day, like people are going to be pissed. They're going to be like, what happened to blue? (laughs) This is such a dumb analogy. You're not wrong, though. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, hold on. What is chat saying? Um, uh, and in my opinion, as Dune fan, that book was written so well that the movie should be cut and pasted from the book. 
So, uh, you know, I think me and Jeff should have, I, I think next week, this could be our topic, Jeff. I'm going to, I'm going to write it down or something like, um, adaptations. I think we did do a show on adaptations. This will be adaptations part two, the evolution. Uh, the, the, uh, yeah, I think there's some movies. If you look at a movie that I've talked about from time to time, um, Rosemary's baby, Rosemary's child, Rosemary's baby. She is that, yes, that movie is a cut and paste of the book. I mean, like almost one to one. Like, if you watch the movie, you basically read the book. Uh, and I think that is okay, you know, that's very. I don't want to give too much credit to the director because he's a piece of work, uh, but you know, that's very much that, that that works. And I think, like, if you have like Lord of the Rings is here's another example where like if Lord of the Rings was a one-to-one copy of the book everyone would fall asleep during the movie I love Lord of the Rings oh yeah I like I love Lord of the Rings but I am like I'm so glad that Peter Jackson put his own he cut out a lot of stuff from that from those books because oh my gosh those books <laughs> <laughs> Um, chat says dumb or perfect analogy. Hey, you know what? Sometimes simplicity is the way to go. Okay. Uh, so where I'm going at with this analogy, we're going back to the blue and red. You don't, you don't take a property. You you take a property like Marvel. Okay. And you don't start making it like DC. You don't start making it like you don't, you don't make it into something else. You stay true to what people fell in love with the first place. So what you take inspiration from it. Yes, some things are going to be copied, but you innovate where you can't create, right? Uh, right? And that's why these new films have such a choice to it. This is where Star Wars failed. The sequels, and uh, it's, it's really hard for me to say this. So, like, sh- Jeff, I'm going to need you to back me up, right? I'm going to need you to, like, be okay. my hype man or something. I, I don't like saying this, and it's hard for me to say this, but this is why it's so important that Marsha Lucas came out and said something. Because she specifically said that uh, Kathleen Kennedy had a pro-female agenda and that they focused too much on hitting their agendas and they were focusing too much on being pro-female and this and that. And it's like, it, it's hard for me as a guy to say that because... I am I'm wholly and hardly pro female. I don't I, I I honestly don't care if the main character in Star Wars is a guy or a girl. Like do not care. I am super happy if they are a girl. I'm extra happy if they're a black girl, but <laughs> that's my well, bias opinion, right? Well, but uh and, and I'm looking at the the uh Marsha Lucas uh interview here. Uh you bring up a good point because she says um and I think it's an, uh, and they think it's important to appeal to a woman's audience. So yeah. now their main character is this female who's supposed to have Jedi powers, but we don't know how she got the Jedi powers yep. or who she is. Yep. Which is like, yeah, if you want to have this like pro-female agenda, thereby making a female protagonist, that's great. But you gotta fill that character in with something. Yeah. You can't just be like, hey, she's a woman. Isn't that awesome? Like, and that's no, she's gotta be compelling and because dimensional. Oh, I wanted to talk about. Oh, I, this brings up another topic I want to talk to you about, Jeff. 
Uh, so, but that does a disservice not only to the franchise but to women because now you're putting a woman in a role, and you're 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 giving those naysayers like, see, women just ruin everything. It's like no, you yeah. you're you're putting her in these shoes that don't even fit her. Like, give her a great foundation, and she will grow. So like, and was because Star Wars did that, it was no longer honoring the original trilogies. It was no longer mm-hmm. honoring the prequels. It was something new, and that's 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 why the fans got divided. That's why the fans split. So when well, yeah, I I just want to quick add to to what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I I think you're you're making a very important distinction here. Is it okay to do something new with Star Wars? Absolutely. That's what the fucking Mandalorian is. Thank you. But with the sequel trilogy, you're doing something new with Star Wars that is directly connected to the old Star Wars. That's where it becomes really, really tricky. I'm not saying it's impossible, and I can't think of somebody who did it correctly off the top of my head to prove that point. But that's the sort of quote-unquote mistake that they made, where they're like, we want to do something new and fresh with Star Wars, so we're going to do a direct sequel to the original trilogy. And it's like, well, that's not new and fresh it's no. directly tied no. to it you motherfucker like i the opposite it's okay to give us something new but if people have been fans of the series for 40 years prior to the sequel trilogy why make something new why not just honor what was there before and continue that so when so when villeneuve tells me you know when denis villeneuve says that these people are not master crafters of or they're not Artists, master storytellers. Master storytellers. Thank you, but they're not master storytellers of the art. Like to me, that's like, dude, it's it's really hard to come up with something, but it's it's almost just as hard, if not harder, sometimes to stay true to what was there previously and succeed. And and Star Wars is a perfect example of that. This is a perfect example of like failing. Because they attempted to do something. Okay, they didn't fail. They made buku amounts of money. When they, when I say they failed, I mean they split their audience. Like, look how like people almost universally agree that Star Wars fans are the worst fans now, <laughs> and that that sucks. I don't yeah. like having that reputation. Right? <laughs> Nobody says shit about freaking Marvel fans. No one says anything about DC fans. Maybe that they're, you know, tenacious, but no. <laughs> Burn! <Right>. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing at my own joke. <laughs> but nobody says anything about those fans, but they talk bad about Mar- DC- Star Wars fans. And I think they failed the fans in that regard. Mm. I like That's some fair. of the sequel tri- uh, movies. Uh, as in two of them, <laughs> but I do not. Uh, I do not think that. I think they could have done better to represent the films, and I, I'm so glad that Marsha Lucas comes out and says these things because, yeah, it does make me not feel crazy. It does make me feel like I when I see all these people that love the films, I'm like, is there something wrong with me? Like, am I did like am I just too attached to something that isn't there anymore? Am I a Am I a boomer? <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I have to. With that sentiment, I have to disagree with uh, you know Denis Villeneuve because he is. I, I think he's discrediting what he's doing right now. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> He's discrediting I, himself. So I, I, it, you said something earlier, like you brought up the fact that you're a dungeon master. Yeah. And suddenly it, it became clear to me, I think, where Denis Villeneuve was coming from when he said what he said about cut and paste and how, uh, specifically the part in the article where he says directors can paint with different colors, but ultimately the product is cast in the same factory. It's okay. like the same mold. Yeah. So you being a dungeon master and D&D and &D in general, it's that interesting thing where it kind of becomes unclear at a certain point who is moving the story along. Mm. Is it you as the dungeon master? Is it us as the players? Like... Yeah. So much of what happens to the characters obviously is the players. Yeah. But how the story progresses is it like I can know who Broxer is. I don't know what he's going to do in a given situation until you put that situation in front of me. Exactly. So it's like it's like a chicken or the egg kind of thing. Like did Broxer do that because it was always in his DNA to do that from the beginning because of how I created him? Or did he do that because you presented something to me and it was like this instantaneous reaction kind of thing? Right. So we're talking about the DM versus the player, right? Yeah. What I think Denis Villeneuve is talking about is specifically the directors and how they get to say what they want to say. Oh, because when you look at Shang-Chi, it's kind of De Destin Daniel Cretton. When you look at Eternals, it's kind of Chloe Zhao. When you look at, um, I can't remember a single Marvel movie. Oh my God. When you look at Doctor Strange, it's kind of Scott Derrickson. When you look at um, Avengers, it's, well, it's a lot of Joss Whedon because he also wrote the script. Very but much Josh Whedon. When you look at all of these movies, it's always Kevin Feige. And I think that's what he means by cut and paste. Okay. Where it's like he I, I think in his perspective, he's talking about how like unfair might be putting words into his mouth, but it's like, yeah, you hire a filmmaker to do a thing and put their stamp on it, but really it's Kevin Feige making the movie. Because again, like when you look at the the the, sh the streamlined process of how the Marvel movies are made, like, yeah, it, it's Kevin Feige at the top, but it's also the fact that when a director is hired to come onto a movie, you have the same concept artists working on all the movies who are, like, drawing up the, the mock-ups of how the costumes are going to look and how the sets are going to look and how the ships and the props and, like, all this stuff. Like, concept artists are the same throughout the movies, even though different directors are working on the movies. All of the like action sequences where you have a lot of CGI elements and and, and that sort of stuff, like all the 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 CGI artists and the visual effects people are the same. They're the ones who are kind of coming up with these big elaborate set pieces before the fucking script has even been written. So I think that's what he's really talking about is Yes, you can have a director come in with a specific vision to work on a Marvel movie, but at the end of the day, it's really, they're just sort of one quadrant 
between Kevin Feige, the concept artist, and the visual effects team. Okay. Okay. You you, you definitely did like, open okay, my eyes. The D and D that is very fair. Yeah, in that in that regards, that is very fair. And I know I know it sounds like I'm flip flopping a lot. Honestly, I I think I think I like just like delving into both extremes because I want to understand it from both sides. And this is what I do in my head. I'm basically just speaking and spilling everything that's in my head to the audience so you guys can, are going to get both extremes of myself. But uh, I think you put it fantastically for the Dungeons & Dragons analogy because you – so instead of thinking of it like the chicken and the egg, we can imagine right. that the Dungeon Master is Kevin Feige and that the player is the director. The player, mm -hmm. let's say, is making uh, what's what's coming up. Uh, Taika Waititi's working on the next uh, Thor movie, so right. He so Thor is the player. It's like one on one D and D, right? So Thor wants <laughs> Taika Waititi. Well, the players are never there; they just come in one after the other, <laughs> <laughs> and then every once in a while they get to put them all together. <laughs> it, oh, I, I, it's, it's like combat. We're in a combat encounter. Well, oh, but here's we all the thing. roll for initiative, and now it's Taika's turn, and then it's the next person's turn. <laughs> so, like, holy shit, the MCU is just D&D. It's just D&D, &D, dude. You don't know how, like, Dungeons & Dragons has ruined the, like, I can't look at the world the same. I watch TV, yeah. and I watch, like, movies, and I can't, I'll be like, oh, okay, that's the tank, that's the DPS, he's the bard, he's the, yeah. you know, or I'll be like, oh, he failed his persuasion check. Oh, that's a deception check failure. Okay, there's the, oh, oh, look at that insight. Oh, okay, okay, look at, uh, like, yeah. <laughs> I watch movies, and I was like, I, I break them down into Dungeons and Dragons. Well, it's like uh, one of my favorite uh, memes to come out of Game of Thrones. Uh, you watch Game of Thrones, right? We've yeah, yeah, Game yeah. Of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is uh, the the episode where spoilers for a show that everybody hates now? Um, but Gosh. when Arya kills the Night King, yeah. Uh, the very next day, somebody wrote on Twitter. So apparently, Arya rolled a natural one on her stealth check, and then immediately rolled a natural twenty on her sleight of hand, and I was like, oh. <laughs> exactly what happened <laughs> i re i actually remember that post i've seen that post that is yeah i'm that is fantastic okay so like taika's making thor thor's going through the so taika is writing thor's background and is writing all this stuff however he is in kevin feige's world so mm -hmm. taika wants thor to grow or to do something but kevin feige puts these obstacles in his way and kevin feige sees thor so they're both looking at thor and it's almost like a game of telephone and they're both trying to get thor to develop a certain way but they have to do it in kevin feige's world while taika watiti is controlling him and that is exactly what you were saying with like okay well the the director has to work with the set pieces that get put up the director has to work with oh well this is what's going to happen in the next phase or this is what's going to go on for this character or they they have to set him up to go here or to they have to make sure that this character ends up here to meet up the avengers and yada yada mm -hmm. whereas with uh what uh denis villeneuve if you're watching me on camera you can see it as my eye hovers over to the sticky note that i've placed it on my <laughs> denis villeneuve uh he he is the dungeon master and the player so he literally is like okay i want these he's writing a book he you know that's what it turns yeah. into at that point 
if we interpret it that way, then I have to agree. I have to agree with the guy's saying. Yeah, and and that's kind of where uh, th- this is kind of a tangent, but still on topic. That's precisely why the DC EU fell apart. Is Ooh, because please the producers. Expand. Well, the producers. Like, like the people at the studio and, and the people who were kind of overseeing it didn't have the vision. Zack Snyder was the guy with the vision. They put like that was that was the player taking over for the DM because uh, they I were see. like, hey, Zack, f- figure it out. Because if you think about it, like Zack does Man of Steel. There's our Iron Man. Yeah. Then he does batman v superman which is okay well there's our thor captain america and hulk yeah. and iron man 2 because it's kind of basically a sequel and then he does justice league which is avengers yeah and they're just going okay yeah cool sounds great awesome but of course then for like business and box office reasons they're like oh hey hey fuck you dude uh, uh sit back I- I'm-, I'm taking over now you know and and then they're like eh, and that that whole thing happened with the Snyder Cut, um, so that's kind of what happened in the DC camp was that it was the filmmaker who was driving the ship, not the people behind the scenes. And the problem was that the people behind the scenes could have t- could still take over at any time, yeah. Which they did, which then made a cluster cluck of a bunch of stuff that 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 just happened. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and and I think like and to be fair, like that's why marvel has continued to go in this serialized faction like the the way that the mcu has functioned where you have kevin feige at the top and then he delineates different writers and different directors to come in and out for the different entries in this ever evolving story that's how comics work like you have different writers and different artists who come in and pitch their stories you know, and, and they write and illustrate their individual books. But at so, the end of the day, it's Stan Lee running everything. Can Same I, thing with television. That's yes. exactly what a showrunner on a TV show does. Can like, I, um, you have a whole room of writers who are like, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? But then you have like a Vince Gilligan for Breaking Bad who's like, that sounds great. Let's do it. That's not so much. Let's not do it. And, and- that's probably what happened with Star Wars as well, is they had George Lucas behind every single step of the way. You watch those documentaries, and he is he's in the editing room. He's talking to the special effects people. He's with the prop department. He is there with the camera people. He's there, like, sound design. He is... That dude was in every part of the... And, but then you go into the sequels, you don't see Kathleen Kennedy supervising over absolutely everything and that's why mandalorian worked so well was because they had favreau and filoni thank you favreau and filoni uh over everything they they it was their their thing and that that's why like certain facets faucet facets of the of the clone wars and the i i don't want to call it the extended star wars universe the um what do they call it in the star they call it something. Oh, like what do they call the Mandalorian? Yeah, like what do they what do they call the offshoots? The non 
like it's like Star Wars stories or something like that. Like they call them something. Oh, I don't know. They they it's not Does Star ex- Wars have its own like it it's it's the fast saga <laughs> kind of thing. Sort of, yeah. They call it the Skywalker. <laughs> so the so the main movies are called the Skywalker uh, yeah. saga, and then like the yeah. the movies that aren't are like I think they're called like Star Wars stories. Oh uh, yeah, Rogue One a Star Wars story. Yeah. So okay. So yeah, they're called Solo Star, a Star Wars story. Solo a Star Wars story. The Mandalorian is technically part oh, of that whole branding. Star Wars story kind of thing. And I think that's why the Star Wars stories those films work better. Not only are they their own individual thing, and it's what you were saying earlier, Jeff. Like we can we when I watch Solo, I don't connect it to the original films. I don't care what anyone says. Solo, people love Solo. They just refuse to admit it. But whenever you watch Rogue One, you don't connect Rogue One to anything. Whenever you're watching uh, Force Awakens, you're like, oh, okay, okay, what's happening next? Where's Luke Skywalker going to be? Where's, uh, you know, what's going to, where's Leia? What's Han Solo doing? Oh, why is he doing this? Why is he doing this and not doing that? Why is he, no, you don't do that. Your brain's not doing that. Your brain's not trying to connect dots when you're watching these Star Wars stories. If there are dots being right. connected, it's because you're like, okay, why is the world, and when I say world, I mean the 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 universe, the world of that that story. Why is that this universe in the state that it is? How does this connect to? Oh, okay, I see. Like they'll do like one small little reference, and everyone's happy, right? Right. Like, spoilers, spoilers for anyone that hasn't seen Mandalorian. Just skip ahead like thirty seconds because I'll make it quick. Baby Yoda, Grogu, he, they're like, oh, you must find his people and get him back with his people. And everyone wants this, oh, we get to figure out the origins of the little green aliens where Yoda's from. We, There's the only aliens we know nothing about. And then it's like, oh, well, his people are Jedi. That's what, that's what, and no one's mad about it. No one's yeah. mad, at, because it's its own, it's contained in its own little thing. Yes, it's connected to the main movie sagas, but it stays contained. Uh, and that's why, like, the sequels get hurt by it. But, okay, so I want to take, a, a like, a huge, huge left turn, off-topic discussion with you. Okay. Uh, yesterday, you were talking to me, you are telling me how, because we're talking about ownership, and we're talking about, like, Dungeon Masters and stuff like that. Oh, no. You were telling me Marvel might have a whole new Dungeon Master. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> not that they'll, they'll have a new Dungeon Master... It's it's that it, it's mm. <laughs> what it ultimately ends up being is Disney is just going to have to share the pot with more and more people. Yeah. If everything goes according to plan. So I should tell the audience what we're uh, alluding to. So hold on. Let me close my Denis Villeneuve and my Dune tabs here. <laughs> I uh, thank you for doing that, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> Yeah. Having that stuff up. So, so there is something called the Copyright Act of 1976, which essentially allows heirs to pull the plug on licenses granted or transferred for a copyrighted work in particular situations with a fully executed notice. In layman's terms, I have a family member. They created something. At a certain point after my family member dies, and obviously, like, I am in control of their estate, 
the rights to whatever my family member created artistically revert back to me and I can do whatever the fuck I want with it and whoever owned the rights before they died no longer has the rights to that material. That's insane. That's such an so, insane thing. Which is like, it's, it's crazy. So this actually came up with... Um, uh, I read so much today. Uh, <laughs> and by, by today, I mean in the... 20 minutes leading up to when we started this podcast because I was like, oh shit, I should actually like have my ducks in a row here. Nice. Um, yes, so this actually came up in 2014 with Jack Kirby, who was basically a longtime collaborator of Stan Lee. Stan Lee created and wrote the comics. Jack Kirby was the artist. And that's typically the way that comics work is you have the writer and then you have the artist. And, you know... Beyond that, you have the inker and the the shit. Who's the person that writes the words? <laughs> anyway, like the, the artist <laughs> is the person who does the pencil sketch, essentially. Who or not sketch, but like they do the art. But then you have an inker who comes in and does like the shading and the highlights, and then you have a colorist, and then you have I don't have a comic book around me. The titles, the words. Um... What's it called? Shit. Anyway. Point being, for the most part, you have the writer and you have the artist. Uh, so Stan Lee, famously, we all know he's the writer. Jack Kirby was the artist. And Jack Kirby created, or rather in 2014, yes. So with the estate of Jack Kirby, this was in regards to Captain America, Fantastic Four, Hulk, Iron Man, Thor, the original X-Men, and a plethora of other characters. Um, and I'm reading all of this from Deadline, so you know it's legit. Uh, a lot of times we will see stories come out on the internet, and sometimes it's from, like, YouTubers or... Well, yeah, I don't want to say YouTubers, but, like, all I'll say is, like, a lot of times some journalists do some clickbaity stuff. If it comes from Deadline, it's fucking legit. Anything that you read on Deadline is, like, this is official, this is actually something that's going on. Interesting. Um, so that's so basically this whole lawsuit and settlement happened with the estate of Jack Kirby, which is why when you watch all of or not all of but most of the MCU films, you will see a credit, whether the depending if it's the opening credits or the end credits, whatever, you will see based on characters created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Because Marvel, the, the estate of Jack Kirby was trying to regain the rights to all of those characters that I just listed. And Disney was like, or and Marvel was like, fuck you. We want to keep making comics as well as toys and lunchboxes and movies and TV shows and all this kind of stuff based on these characters. So what? how much money do we need to throw at you right now <laughs> so that we can do that? And they settled, and that was fine. So now, something similar is happening with Steve Ditko, who, along with Stan Lee, is the co-creator of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Oh, boy. Which, and basically what this all sets up is, and again, it's so basically the estate of Steve Ditko is saying, hey, we have the rights to this, fuck you, Marvel, we're taking it back. 
And of course, Marvel is like, well, we have lawyers, but we're going to get the Disney lawyers because they're really good at what they do. Because, <laughs> again, this is not just for the movies. Like, everybody thinks, like, Marvel being, like, the MCU. And it's like, no, dude, like, they're, they're still pumping out comic books with all these characters. So this, yeah, this is, like, everything. This is not just the MCU. It's... It's TV series, it's the comics, it's it's action figures, lunchboxes, all that kind of good stuff. So, so what this what this ulti- go ahead. Well, I was gonna go on a small tangent. Keep going. Well, I, I was saying what, what this ultimately is going to turn into is so best case scenario is the lawyers and the estate of Steve Ditko, like his family and everything, just settle so that they get a sum of money and whenever characters that he created appear in the mcu this this extends past the mcu but let's just keep it to the mcu because that allows my brain to function better there you go uh whenever characters that he co-created appear in the mcu he gets a credit during the credit sequence whether it's at the beginning of the movie or the end of the movie because sometimes you know movie credits happen differently yeah um but the reason that I wanted to like mention this as a topic to talk about is that this opens up a gigantic can of worms because the reason Marvel and, and their lawyers are stepping in is because from their point of view, from Marvel's point of view, these artists were hired on a by-project basis. They were compensated for their work, but nothing in their oh, paperwork snap. has anything to do with rights. So, and, and they they talk about the fact that like when Steve Ditko was hired, he like it was agreed upon that he would be paid a certain amount of money per page, essentially. So if 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 each issue is sixteen pages, twenty four pages, a hundred pages, whatever. His compensation is he gets paid per page, but nowhere in any of his paperwork or legal documentation does it say that he retains the rights. And to me, that makes sense. Like, it's a work for hire type of situation. We hired you to do this. You are compensated for the work that you did on this book. Yeah. And... What the, when I first heard about this, the first thing that popped into my head is an interview that happened uh, earlier this year. Uh, I'm going to go on a slightly quick tangent, but I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. I promise. No, you're good. Uh, on Fat Man Beyond, which is the Kevin Smith show. Uh, it's technically a YouTube show, but it's a we'll, we'll call it podcast because it's exactly what we do. Because um, <laughs> they, they stream it, but it's technically a podcast. How long do they talk um, for? They go for like two hours, two and a half hours. Okay. Usually. So we're just better. Um, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if nothing else, we're, there's more to us because we go longer. Um, <laughs> but what they do, uh, or sorry. So Fat Man Beyond podcast with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin, they had Ed Brubaker on earlier this year. Ed Brubaker created the Winter Soldier okay. because, and, and, and I will, uh, I, I won't drop it in chat in case because I don't want to drive traffic away from you, but I'll send uh, the clip to you. I urge everybody to watch this no, interview because no, no. it is. Put it in chat. Put it in chat for them to okay. see. Uh, I'll find it uh, when I'm done talking. 
and uh, and that sort of thing. And that's the cool um, thing about uh, what you're telling me about YouTube now is if someone's watching this on YouTube, they they should get the clip at this time. <laughs> yeah. Um. So they brought him on because earlier this year, obviously Falcon and Winter Soldier was happening, and so they just lucked into getting an interview with Ed Brubaker, who, if you don't know Ed Brubaker, I urge you to look him up as well. Uh, he's an incredibly prolific comic book writer for many, many years. Did uh, He he made Iron Fist cool. It is, like, his big... One of his other big claims to fame with uh, Marvel is, like, Iron Fist wasn't cool until me and Matt Fraction made him cool. Nice. Um, but uh, he created The Winter Soldier... And it's like a big personal story to him because he grew and, and he said this in the interview, but I'm just summing it up real quick. But he grew up, he was an army brat. His father was in the military. And so he really related to the character of Bucky and Bucky was always his favorite character. He was like, I don't give a shit about Steve Rogers. He's perfect. I don't, I want to know what happened to Bucky. And so when he started writing comics and he got an interview with Marvel, he, he pitched them the winter soldier. And so when he was doing this interview, of course, Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin were like, so, hey, dude, like, isn't it fucking cool, like, seeing your baby, like, up on the big screen, and, and, and now, like, he's got his own spinoff show, and he's like, and, and Ed Brubaker drops this bomb, and he's like, oh, I'm not watching it, which the hosts and also the audience are like, what are you talking about? Like, it's, Fal it's Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like, that's something that you created. It's now a TV show. What do you mean you're not watching it? And it's because he feels very sore about the fact that he... It, in his eyes, is not properly compensated for having created the Winter Soldier. And it's like, yeah, it, it he gets like a little thing at the end of the credits or something where it's like special thanks to Ed Brubaker and I don't know the name of the artist that worked with him on that run, but like they're in the special thanks, like at the very end of the credits or something. Jeez. And because in so his rough. mind, he should be compensated. Yeah. And... Like, I remember watching that interview earlier this year being like, holy shit, like, Ed Brubaker, first of all, he Ed Brubaker came to play. Like, he goes on for, like, 20 minutes about how fucked up it is that they're not properly compensated. It's an amazing interview. But when I was thinking about it later, I was I'm gonna like... I'm going to go... Oh, finish that, finish that thought. Well, 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 when I was thinking about it, because I was talking to somebody at work about it the next day, like, holy shit, did you see fucking Fat Man last night? And I was thinking about it, like, but wait a minute, like... Do, like marvel owns the rights to everything like like you're a comic like that's how comics work like you get hired by a company to pitch an idea and then they pay you money to go realize that idea but at the end of the day like you don't like like if you didn't negotiate that as part of your contract then like that's what it is like you're a work for hire they own everything and so what I mean by can of worms is like, so wait a minute, what you're kind of proposing is anytime Bucky shows up in the MCU, you get a, a cut of it. Slice of the pie, yeah. Which is like, okay, I get it, but you already got paid for your contribution of, of Bucky. Like, like, you created it, you wrote the, the comics, you got paid for that. This is now a different writer dealing with the same intellectual property they get paid for their contribution to it and i i, I do s s understand the whole notion that disney and marvel are making billions of dollars so they could probably shell out like okay here's five grand or you know here's 20 grand like whatever the number is 
but it, it is sort of like okay so anytime we want like we're making an mcu movie if we introduce a character first of all we have to credit and uh pay the creator of that character like like let's say it's it's some like, like talking about thor we were talking about taika watiti doing the new thor movie mm-hmm. so not only do we have to credit the creator of that character we also have to look at now wait a minute what context are we using this character is it from the original comics or is it from the ultimate run or is it from when this character appeared in this other run that somebody else did you know now we have to credit that person because they had a new take on the character and it just becomes this whole like spider web of who really has the rights and who should be properly compensated and it, it's just it's an interesting it, thing it could so potentially like, be just a big mess i think i think so here's my my personal view on it i think if you created the character like from scratch even if you were just on there for a a, a small contract thing i think that you should receive a lot more credit than that now if you were if the character has already been created and you're just writing like storylines for the character. Well, that's tough too. Never mind. Because let's say, let's say <laughs> you made, let's say you didn't make any of the X Men, but you wrote the Phoenix Saga, which is supposed to be like the best X Men storyline out mm-hmm. there. And the these companies keep attempting to do the phoenix saga over and over again they're not succeeding but they're making tons of cash while failing right Mm -hmm. that person who wrote the phoenix saga do they get compensated every time but it's a it's a new okay i see where you're getting at jeff so okay so this is what this is the tangent that i want to go on real quick do you we do do they need to be compensated right just like here's a lump sum up top or is it like every time I get 0.09% of the box office. You know, it's it just gets so it, complicated. It, yeah, you, potentially. I think, yeah, yeah. As horrible as it sounds, I do have to, I think that sentiment is something I have to agree on. Because, like, I, I do see where he's coming from, right? That would suck if something you created way back when and then other people are reaping the rewards, you know, years later... And who knows how much money you could have made from it back then, but you're not making the same amount now, right? And so, uh, yeah, that's a that's a touchy subject. I feel mm-hmm. I do think though, like you got paid for it, you did your contributions, and I mean that's that's kind of how it is for that. Like, yeah, because that kind of goes along with what we were talking about with adaptation, like Dune. So, so hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. So like here's – I think this is where like – because before you segue us back on topic. <laughs> the on, uh, I was going to say – yeah, go ahead. The – so st- Disney, uh, same company with Star Wars, there was this thing – there was something similar happening but kind of more like just like crap. So the Extended Universe books – uh, that Disney said is no longer canon. They're like, all right, this this is no longer canon. Uh, it's now going to be called... I forgot what Disney called it. It's now going to be called Star Wars Legends. Uh, mm-hmm. They were still making money off of the books. And they were not giving it to the writers. And so one of the writers uh, sued them 
and was like, hey, like, that's my book. Like that you're still that you're making money off of that you said is no longer canon. Well, and then Disney was like, "Well, it's no longer canon, so don't worry about it." Like we're you don't want part of this cut anyways. And he's like, "Well, people are still buying the books because they're not liking the product that you're putting out. Like, give me some." <laughs> like, and so he wins the case. Mm-hmm. So now Disney has to give him a cut of like the books, but then Disney states, "We're not. You know, if you want." They say that they're not going to do this for every writer because there are so many Star Wars books and there's so many different writers that did different stories. They said each writer will have to sue them. Essentially, we'll have to take them to court to see. Yes. To see if they can get there. And and it's like it's almost a similar situation with with the with Buggy. But I think. You're still using the exact because it's different whenever Bucky is you wrote you created Bucky, but now they are innovating Bucky. Now they're they're doing different stories. Yeah, it's your character, but they're writing different stuff with him. Like they're these aren't this isn't your work anymore. This is you could even go as far. This is a what's the what's the what's the Theseus's boat. Oh, uh, the ship of thesis. The ship of thesis. You can yeah. even go as far as to call the you know the, yeah. that's what that's what this is. It's, it's the not ship the of thesis. Original ship anymore. It's no longer the original ship. You can you still see it. You still see it as the original ship, but there's so much changes that have gone to it. That's no longer the same ship, and I, that's that's what I think is happening here with Bucky and that guy. So like I can agree there, but then whenever you're taking someone's book, and it's the same book that they wrote. 20 years ago but now because you rejuvenated star wars now people are going to go back and they're going to go like they're going to they're going to go be like oh you know what i want my i want my kid or i want my grandson or i want i want to repurchase the book that i read back then to see you know i want to get ready for the sequel trilogies i want to say you know and and they go back and that's what happens whenever a movie comes out people go and find the books for regarding the movie or similar to the movie so like this is the same work that this writer did a while back, but now Disney is reaping the rewards for it. I think that that one's a little more like messed up because that's like that's his property and it never really stopped being his property. Right. <laughs> and he- can I can can I throw another analogy your way just to uh, potentially annoy you? Cause, yes, cause please. I, I like annoying you. Okay. No. I want to be annoyed. So if I go to a store, uh, so so if I go to if I walk into a Barnes and Noble and I purchase a book, oh. it's a new release book, and I I buy it for twenty bucks. That is my book. That's your book. I own that. That is my property. I paid for it. I it belongs to me. I then take it to half price books because I'm like, eh, I I have gotten what I need out of this book, and now I'm gonna give it to you. And they pay me, you know, a quarter for it. Okay. The book is now property of Half Price Books. Okay. I, I have entered into an agreement where they say, hey, we will take this from you for a quarter. Do you agree? And I say, yes, I accept. Later on, I want that book back. Yep. But Half Price Books has now priced it for their inventory at $10. 
I have to pay ten dollars. I can't go to them and say, like, I, I can't go to them and say, well, hey, that's my book, because at one point it was my book, so give it back to me. That that wasn't what the agreement was, and I say, okay, well, well I, I see here you have it priced at ten dollars, but you paid me a quarter for it, so therefore, if I give you a quarter, can I have it back? Well, no, they're not going to give it back to me because it has now become something more valuable than what they paid me for. Which, I mean, it's it, it's not an exact analogy, well, but it's that thing of like, I did a thing, I gave it to somebody else, we agreed on a sum, but that doesn't necessarily mean that just because I want a piece of it, I I get it. Because that's just the, the way that everything was written and agreed upon uh -huh. initially. I know? think that and that's kind of how I, I think for it. that and I agree with that that like the way you look at it that way. I I don't I think what happens though is there's some things that can be muddled in the water. So like if you look at George R. R. Martin, right? Not George R. R. Martin. I'm so sorry. Uh, if you look at there's no uh, way I can pronounce Tolkien? this name. No. J.R.R. Tolkien. No, 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 no. It's the guy who wrote the Witcher series. Oh, uh, something Salvatore? No, his last name is. It has like X's and Z's in it. There's I. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the okay. So the I want to give him credit, but the writer for the Witcher series, he had he had oh, yeah. sold off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see what I'm, I'm talking about? And, and yeah, I'm not going to attempt it. <laughs> he had sold... The guy who wrote the Witcher series. The guy who wrote the Witcher it. series. <laughs> um, thank you for... Thank you, chat. Uh, uh, yes, the, if you look at chat, it's in there. If you're listening on the podcast, <laughs> please forgive me. I will... Andres... Andres... Sawatsky... Swatsky. Subkowski. Sub sub Okay. Andres Subskowski. He uh he sold the Witcher series and he did exactly what Jeff described. And I think that in that scenario, that's okay. Uh I think like that's kind of what happens. Uh it sucks for him because he had tried to make a TV show or he tried to make a movie and he tried to do this and that. And it just kept failing. Like the, the ad, no one could adapt his book. And then CD Projekt Red showed up, and they said, "Hey, we will adapt your book and turn it into a video game." And he was like, "Whatever, good luck. I've tried." Sold it to sold the rights to them, and uh, they made a video game. And a couple years later, it's like this huge franchise that turned into yeah. a TV show. They got, it. and now he's like, "Hold up," <laughs> and he wasn't. That, that scenario, I think, is good. I think what sucks, though, is there are some people that are just trying to get by, right? And they're just trying to pay rent or eat. And they sign on, and they and I think these companies take advantage of, the, of that. And they, they make these stories. They make these incredible stories. But they're not allowed to do more. And they, they can't really negotiate for more because they are stuck. Because it's like I you know I gotta I gotta pay bills I gotta eat right so it's like mm -hmm. do I do I skip out on eating for the for maybe this blowing up in the next twenty years of my life 
or do I eat now and and you know just some, maybe see what happens. Uh, <laughs> and I think in in a lot of scenarios, like especially with why, because you have to you have to understand this was a writer. Writers do not make a lot of money. Unless you're like J.K. freaking Rowling, like unless you wrote Harry Potter, you you're not making a lot of money as a writer. Uh, He you you have to he beat Disney lawyers. Mm. So there, I think there's some credit to the fact of like. There is like th- that companies know. Okay, well, we can turn gold out of these people for a cheap profit. Uh, now, if you, well, yeah, y- and uh, yeah, now with Andres, uh, sub, 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 I'm so sorry, Subkowski, Subkowski, he, yeah, no, he fucked up. <laughs> but what was he gonna do? Like he was like he had already tried, failed, and he he kind of gave up on his on his own property, but. Uh, it's, it's what Jeff said. It's a can of worms. But if we, if we break it down to the fundamentals, I have to agree with Jeff. I think Jeff takes, takes the one on, takes the point on this one. Not that we were competing, but I think Jeff definitely <laughs> I was like, takes, wait, what? <laughs> he takes the point on this one. Uh, because yeah, if you did something and then you sell it, it's no longer yours. I'm sorry. You don't, you don't buy something as a gift for someone give them the gift and be like, you know what? That was a really cool like thing. Like, Hey man, can I, can I get that back actually? And the person's like, well, you kind of gave it to me. Like, why do you like, I, I like it too. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's, it's the, it's the story that Justin Timberlake tells in the social network where he makes reference to, the guy who created Victoria's Secret, where he like sold the company for like a million dollars, and the next year it was worth a hundred million dollars, and like fucking jumped off a bridge and killed himself because he was like shit. <laughs> which, which again is like I, okay, well, that's extreme. That's an extreme reaction to have, but yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's you know, I mentioned Breaking Bad earlier. That's the entire crux of uh, Brian Cranston's arc on that show is he had a company. And uh, that he yeah. created with two other people, and he like sold it for ten grand or like a hundred grand or something, and now they're billionaires. And it's like, and his yeah, yeah, but but get that's what you did, you know. It's it's that old thing of, you know, do you want to make a hundred dollars today or a thousand dollars tomorrow? Yeah. So, that's uh, that yeah. So, but I, I I'm glad we got we got to talk about that. I'm glad you. We brought that up a little bit because that that's such an interesting thing. And it's it's one of those – it's kind of like – it's almost one of those things where it's like, well, that's the obvious answer. There's an obvious answer to it. Hold on. And it's like, well, you know, you just don't know. You, you really don't know. You yeah. can't tell. You don't know because I'm pr- – look at freaking Google. Look at – like go look – there's a mm-hmm. – I'm pretty sure there's a website dedicated to all the projects that have failed in Google. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Google, I mean, you you guys remember those smart glasses? Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah, those, Google like, Glass. Google Glass, like they're it's so revolutionize everything. I'm sure there's more failures than there are success, and that's 
That's the way things go. Uh, somehow, I don't know how. I'm just gonna just like I'm gonna use the word segue and just pretend like we creatively got back on topic. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Marvel movies, I think they're good. I, 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 I think they're, I think they're good, and I think they are artistic. Um, I believe they fit a certain genre. I don't think they are heavily artistic. I think they're like definitely like hitting a fan base, and they're hitting emotions. But they're not hitting... I mean, look, like, no, I don't think a lot of people expected the impact that Endgame had on our our society, on our culture. Uh, I don't think... Everyone talks about how they love Infinity War more than Endgame. But, like, Endgame, there's so many things. People were timing Tony Stark's snap... To, to New Year's and people people were doing all these all these other things uh-huh. uh, with and, and it's there's still memes it's still something that like everyone together experienced as an event and that's so yeah. crazy to think about right that in itself is, is its own art form like to, to get people all to feel something almost unanimously and then you have so I want to see I think, at the end of the day, uh, Denis Villeneuve, he's not <laughs> speaking out against Marvel, but he is speaking to the fact that they don't have as much creative freedom as probably, he, just like how he doesn't. And that's probably how he feels when he's making Dune right now. And he's well, just... I think he's he's saying the opposite. I think when I, I think what he's saying is when you work at Marvel, you don't have creative freedom, but when you work on movies that he does, you like as a director, you do. Yeah, he's like he he's able to like do whatever he wants with his movies, but when you work at Marvel, you have to fit into their assembly line. Mm. Like, okay, you're 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 not here to do your own thing. Like, obviously, we want you to put your fingerprints on it, but really, this is our crime scene. Yeah. Kind of thing. This, well, you know, I bet if Marvel offered him a couple million dollars, he'd he'd jump. <laughs> and, and and again, like it, it's you know, kind of going back to the whole like people say what they're gonna say, like like Edgar Wright on Ant Man and Scott Derrickson on Doctor Strange too. Like people have wanted to work with Marvel, and Marvel has started to work with people. And when they realized, oh, shit, this is not a place where I get to do what I normally do as a filmmaker. I am part of an assembly line like they bailed. And that's totally freaking fine. Um, I I, I think that like ultimately, like that's kind of where I lie on this whole thing is like Marvel's doing what they're doing. And it's a thing. And other people are doing movies the way that they do it. And marvel's making a lot of money you know and and and, uh, it's like you know it's they're the mcu is something completely unprecedented and unlike anything else like like you look at mission impossible uh uh which the first movie came out in like 96 so 
you know, 25 years. Mission Impossible is a 25 year long franchise and they're on part eight. Is that where we're on right now? Is that the, the one that just finished filming? Three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. But it, it, anyway, like there's a lot. Let's, see, let's, <laughs> see 10. let's round it up to 10, like 25 years, 10 movies, Mission Impossible. The MCU has been around for 12, 13 years. And with the series plus the new movies, we're on like part 30. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's cool. Like that is something that has never happened before. That's insane. And it's, you know, obviously there's problems with the timeline. There's continuity errors. There's weird things of like, well, wait, if this is happening over here, then this is happening over there. And when is this all happening at the same time? Sure. But for all intents and purposes, this is one long ass story. And I think that's where it, it's like, dude, of course it's cut and paste. Of course it's an assembly line. Like that's what they do. That's comics. Like that, that is serialization. Like when you're making Blade Runner 2049, you're making one thing. When you're making Dune, technically you're making half a thing because it, Part two has to happen, but but you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you're focused on that one thing. They're doing something different. It's not better, it's not worse. And I think, you know, part of the conversation, you, you know, you can't help but think it revolves around money. Like, hey, how come Blade Runner 40, 2049 only broke even and didn't make a billion dollars? Yeah, I don't think it should when be about money. every time money. Marvel makes a movie, it makes a million dollars, or, or it makes a billion dollars. And it's like, well, because that's what everybody's fucking watching. Yeah. Like, that's... Why, why is CSI the number one rated show on television all the time? It's not even that good. Like, it's just the same thing yeah. over and over again. Why is... Yeah. That you can, like, Call of Duty. Why is Call of Duty the number one video game every yes. year? every year is because that is what the general audience tail have a billion dollars well yeah because it's cool but it's, not a lot of people yeah, do. it's artistic it's great yeah you shouldn't money shouldn't be the factor that decides it and that's the thing too is <laughs> it scares me and it bothers me because we talked about this with video games but we didn't really touch on i mean we talked about it a little bit with movies but money does these executives I talk about this a lot in video games and, and it transitions over to this as well because they see movies as products. Mm -hmm. They don't see movies as art, just like how they don't see video games as art. They saw movies and they're like, oh, movies make money. Now, yeah. how can how do I turn this into a product? And like something really this this I, I this opened my eyes years ago. Years and years and years ago, this was around the time where like cell phone games were becoming really popular, and uh, there, there was around the time of Flappy Bird. I don't know if you guys remember Flappy oh, Bird yeah. that blew up. So Nintendo was making a kind of like a Super Mario kind of scroller, kind of Flappy Bird kind of thing, where Mario just is jumping. You tap the screen and Mario jumps, but he's constantly moving, so you gotta like make him jump and play Mario, uh, but on your phone. And it's like the first time we get to have Mario on a cellular device. And I think they were showing it off on some late night show. It might've been Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel or you know, it was someone. And then he gets, uh, the, the guy who created Mario was there. And he was, and, and this is where like Japan, I'm not gonna say Japan. This is where like Nintendo kind of differs from 
other video game companies. This is why Nintendo probably has like stayed the test of time. And uh, they he goes he talks to the original and he's and, and like the the late night host at the time was like, oh, so how, what? How does that make you feel seeing that like your character has made it this far? Like what? What passion drives you? Like what? What artistic like thing do you put in to this? You know, he's asking him like. Like, oh, how do you... Because when other video game people come on, they talk about what influenced them and what drove them and what inspired them to create this form of art, this video game. Mm -hmm. And the guy, you know, he speaks Japanese and he has a translator. And I think he speaks in Japanese, but um, I'm I'm pretty sure I remember there's a translator. And he says, I don't really... I don't really see Mario that way. Like, I see Super Mario... Super Mario is more of like a product to me. So like I see, he's like I see Super Mario kind of like an item. Like I don't, I don't think of him as like my son or anything like that. Like I see him, and I'm I'm paraphrasing obviously, but he says I see Super Mario. I, I see Super Mario as a product. That that for sure he said, and that like weirded me out at a young age. I was like, how? Like I grew up with this character. Like mm-hmm. I. I don't understand how you can't have the same love that I have. Um, and because at the end of the day, it's, it, it pays, you know, it, it keeps the lights on or it makes them rich. And I'm not saying like, that's what he's looking for when he makes that game, but he has to understand when he, when he's making Mario, when they're making super Mario, they're thinking, okay, what does society look like right now? What does the culture look like right now? How do I make this game to fit the video game? franchise as it is but still leave it as the same thing that people liked in the past does that sound familiar because that's kind of what i said at the beginning of this podcast about marvel how do i take a comic book that people love but modernize it and keep it the same but new because it's a product now what now what am i getting at so the difference between that and what um denis villeneuve is kind of saying is now take uh god of war which is literally by um by Barlog, uh, for I think it's mm-hmm. Corey Barlog. Corey, yeah, Co- Corey. Yeah. He is that is that was a passion project for him. Oh yeah, dude. That What's was the, uh, he put raising his soul. Kratos, the documentary. Yeah. Have you watched that? No, no, yeah. I'm not. It's oh my god! It's it's first of all, it's just an amazing documentary because it's like yeah, if you're not a gamer this movie will still speak to you because yeah. it's it's a human story it's so yeah. good oh my god dude and and, and i'm pro- god of war is probably a bad example because god of war got game of the year let me uh let me sinuous <laughs> sacrifice so sinuous sacrifice Ooh, nice uh, oh that's another game that got game of the year damn it mario <laughs> okay let's just look at Kuj- Let's just look at these people real quick so compare kojima and sinuous sacrifice and stuff like that so like what are those games doing? They are... You are seeing a reflection of the artist's mind and how they perceive the world. You're seeing... Mm-hmm. They are telling you... They're trying to s- say the message of what how they see society during this time or during a time that they were growing up or the evolution of something, right? That's kind of what Blade Runner does. That's... Not kind of. That's exactly what Blade Runner does. Yeah. Marvel doesn't really do that. Maybe Marvel may hint at something. Maybe Marvel may tell some message. Maybe Marvel may speak to people. But it is not a reflection of someone's mind 
going out and trying to speak to the audience and grab the audience in a way. It's a action thriller blockbuster. It's a product. It's something that's made to make money. Yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> could, could, I, like, I, I, I want to disagree and, and not for the sake of disagreeing with what you just said, but just because I want to live in a more magical world, you know? <laughs> oh, I know, it's depressing. Because, like, again, like, 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 we talked about this. Like, I fucking it cried makes me during sad. Shang-Chi. Yeah. And it's, but, but I, I think to, for my brain to, like, wrap around what you're saying, it's like, yeah, it's not anyone's singular vision. It It's like, yeah, this is, like, if the MCU movies and shows, like, if there is a message, if they are saying something that is, like, emotional and touching, it's it's the product of, like, 47 people. Yeah. You're, you're not seeing, like, like it, it's not Tarantino. Right. Like, but, like, that's always my go-to, because nobody <laughs> makes movies like Tarantino. Like. No. Or, or it, it's Wes Anderson, you know, like it, like nobody makes movies like he does. It, it's yeah, like they they are kind of the amalgamation of the writer, the director, but also there's Kevin Feige and also the actors because we want the actors to have their own brand because they're gonna be on social, they're gonna be on Twitter and they're gonna be on all the interviews and the the talk show circuit and. We have to appeal to the Jimmy Fallon fans and the James Cordons and the, the all this kind of stuff. So, and like, yeah, that's yeah, and that's why people have such a a, a bitter taste towards Marvel. And like, you'll talk to you know, I'll talk to some people and they'll be like, "No, I don't watch Marvel. I don't like Disney. I don't care for Disney. I can go on tirades of Disney." And it's like, okay, yes, yes, you know, I get it. It's a corporation. I get it. They're treating this franchise like a product. But the people who make this stuff, the people who are signing up making this stuff, they're artists. They're they're and this is why like I kind of get upset and this is what I was saying at the beginning of the thing. I kind of get upset when Denis Villeneuve says when people, you know, when they say something like that because it's like, "Okay, yes, you're not wrong, but there's a reason why you know, uh, Jeff or will cry during Shang-Chi. There's a reason why my brother cried during Endgame. There's a reason why I mm-hmm. feel so attached and think that Black Panther has such a deep meaning and deep roots to our society. And that like, I, I that I, I, Black Panther helped me feel at home with who I am as a as a man right like i used Mm -hmm. to think of myself as oh i'm half black half mexican and that's i used to think of myself that way because that's how everyone perceived me as half black half mexican i'm like no i am black and i am mexican i'm not half i am black and i am mexican right Mm -hmm. that is that is i am mario that is me and black panther helped me help me get there and it's why because there are people the alg- the the culmination of those forty plus people working and writing those stories, they're probably going through the same thing. They probably want the same thing. And when you put love and effort into something, it will show, right? And mm-hmm. that's why, like, yes, you'll get like little little nibbits of like messages, and you'll get like little things 
but of course the executives come in and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, that that's uh that's uh, that's showing a little bit too much of the black on black violence. How about we uh we we just play the safe card a little bit, you know, how about that? And then they're like, All right, yeah, no worry, I can make it work, but you know, I still want to keep this this scene. It's got a cool rhino in it. Like, yeah, that rhino's pretty cool. Alright, we'll keep it in there. Like <laughs> like it's uh that's what it is. And in I have to be happy for those people that fight for it. So it's like, I don't watch these movies to... I mean, obviously I watch them and I can't help but support the big corporations. But I don't go there in support for the big corporations. I go in there for the support of the people. Like, no one goes... I don't... Whenever you hear me and Jeff talk about these films, like, we don't go into... uh, uh, We're not going to go watch Thor... And be like, yo, my gosh, Disney. Oh, yes, Thor, Disney. Oh, Disney, you did it. No, we're gonna be, we say Taika Watiti. <laughs> we we say oh, yeah. the writers. We say this and that. Well, I, I, I just thought of something as you were talking that. Yeah. I just had like kind of an epiphany. No, no not an epiphany. But like to, to kind of downplay what Denis Villeneuve said and, and – and kind of, I'm imagining me talking to, to Denis Villeneuve, like, face-to-face and being like, okay, I understand what you're saying, but... So, let's look at what we talked about last week with Malignant. Okay. So, James Wan, and, and, and again, I, I'm, I'm transposing DC, but I'm going to bring it back to MCU. Okay, go for it. So, James Wan is brought on to direct Aquaman. Makes a billion dollars. And so Warner Brothers is like, you know what, James? We we brought you on to make that movie. It made a billion dollars. What do you want to do next? Like, like, just tell us whatever you want to do next because you made us enough money. We'll let you do whatever you want to do. Here's forty million dollars. Just go. And James Wan is like, well, shit. I've always wanted to make an like a Giallo film. Like, I'm gonna go do that. Okay. Uh, thanks, guys. And then he makes Malignant, which is like his thing. So. Like let's let, Shang Chi is 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 the most recent example. Like Destin Daniel Cretton, and, and I'm gonna reference him as many times as I can because I fucking love Short Term Twelve. If you haven't seen his first movie, Short Term Twelve, it's amazing. Um, but like he is now in that same category. Like he's now in that same arena where it's like, hey man, like you did this cut and paste quote unquote movie. You did this by the numbers movie. You came in, you were a work for hire. You did exactly what fucking Kevin Feige told you to. And that's great. And you know, like, I I understand it from Denis Villeneuve's point of view. Like that kind of sucks. Like we hired a filmmaker with a very specific vision and style and, oh, it's just another Marvel movie. It's cut and paste, blah, 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 blah. But now that guy has people begging him to direct another movie for them because they can put, because whenever they start doing the marketing on the poster and on the trailer, they can say from the director of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which people remember is like, oh, that's a movie that I saw that I liked and now I'll go see this movie. There it is. There's the voice. There, there's the voice. <laughs> there's the voice. Uh, but, but again, it's also like, not only is it just like, hey, like, you know, thank, thank the Lord, like Shang-Chi was a good movie. But it also, like, broke a bunch of records at the box office. It was extremely successful, you know? And, you know, and again, like, again, to, to you know, kind of go back to what Denis Villeneuve is saying is, like, maybe some people are okay being cut and paste. 
you know, like, I, I mean, I don't mean to shit on the Russo brothers, for example, but, like, I can't tell you what their style is, really. You know, and, the, and they did fucking four of those Marvel movies. You know, like, I could look at Taika Waititi and I'd be like, okay, that guy has a fucking style. Yeah. Like, if I see, if I were to watch another Taika Waititi movie, not knowing that he had anything to do with it, I'd be like, oh, this is probably a yeah. Taika movie. I, you know, but I haven't seen so a lot of jj abrams films but i could probably say the same thing like i don't know jj abrams style there's a lens flare jj abrams directed it there's a lens Not flare sure. there's beastie <laughs> boys jj there's a, a camera that like starts kind of tilted to it, it's like tilt it's dutch angled to the left and it like pushes in really fast and then spins around until it dutch angles to the right on, on like a close-up of a character that's a J.J. Abrams thing. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, I just don't know. I don't see. They, but you bring up, I yes. Yeah, yes. it's like, okay, like, okay, I did a cut and paste thing, but now I get to go do. Now, now I, get, I get, to go get to go do. It's that. Be not cut and paste because I've made a shit ton of money. Well, it's the thing that I think a lot of people say. It's the thing that I'm kind of doing. I've kind of had to learn recently as well is. You gotta you gotta play the game before you change the game. You know, you wanna mm -hmm. you if you don't oh, like yeah. how things are running, you gotta play by their rules, get on their good side, and then change some stuff up. You know, that's I'm not saying that's the only way to do it, but it it is it does show results. It does show results because if you right off the bat try to go against the current. You know, they're going to push you down. So you can't just come out. And it's what you tell me all the time, Jeff. Like, people are not going to watch your first 20 movies or whatever like that. You know, you can't expect people to do the thing. But if you show them, hey, I can make you money. I'm capable of it. And then you go and you do something silly or whatever. You do your what you're dreaming up. Uh, they're not going to care because you made the money. <laughs> yeah. Dude, like, it, it's funny because, like, I, I was literally uh, talking to Ivy about this yesterday afternoon, but, like, that's how you get movies made. Like, the people who finance movies <laughs> are not filmmakers. They're real estate people. They're dentists. They're, yeah. like, they're, they're people, or, or not dentists, that's not a good example, but, like, they, they're, they're yeah tech that they are tech investors they are people who make money like because think about it what do rich people want money they want more money want more money <laughs> and so if they are agriculture or engineering or technology or you know whatever business makes them money and they suddenly get wind of the film industry oh that's another way to make money yeah okay how do how, because uh, like and, and again like that that's the thing of like well shit now i'm getting completely off topic but it's like if you want somebody to fund your movie you don't talk to them about fame and symbolism and the message and no. what it's all da, da, da. you you present them a business plan motherfucker <laughs> you know yeah like, they don't care because they don't care about the movie and again i'm not saying that like because again it's like you look at people like kathleen kennedy and kevin feige it's like i'm not saying that all they care about is money because they're not the people footing the bill right you know 
the like like people like you can look at them as like yes they're executives but like it like kevin feige isn't writing a check like okay here's four grand so you can go build a set or whatever like he's not that guy yeah (laughs) other people are spending the money and that like yeah and that's where you can tell right that's where you can tell is they they may not be putting the money in it but you can tell that kevin feige cares about this is gonna sound bad i need to be careful with how i word this kevin feige really does care about the trajectory and like the path and the story that the marvel universe takes and he's willing to take um risk because i've we've said this in the past but the whole scene with uh uh you know iron man and uh nick fury talking they they weren't entirely like they wanted to just gauge audiences' reaction on how, if they should do this or not. Oh right? yeah, they weren't really like set in stone. We're gonna do the Avengers, and this is how we're gonna do it. And so they were gauging people's reaction, and they got it. But I think with Kathleen Kennedy is she instead of thinking of obviously she cared about the trajectory of the Star Wars films, but she cared about it for different reasons or for different like uh, priorities. Right. Um, and you could see it in the films and you could see it it's it's and then and this is the reason why i don't like rise of skywalker because rise of skywalker when you watch that film it just feels like they read every fan theory on the internet well yeah and put it in the film that goes back to what we were talking about with Zack snyder it's like that's exactly what star wars did they were like jj go do your thing all right that was a great thing hey ryan come in do your thing Colin, you're up to bat, so get ready. Oh, wait, shit. People didn't like Ryan's thing? Never mind, Colin. You you, you go sit down right now. JJ, come back and do the thing, because people liked that, but they didn't like Ryan's thing, so we're going to put you over here. And it's like, well, but... They, but uh, they who, misunderstood who, who why we didn't like for it. the whole thing? Yeah. <laughs> and and when, with Colin... Oh, dude. Like, I understand first drafts and rough drafts are not... You know, they're not... You shouldn't take those so seriously. But, oh my gosh, dude. Like, hearing about that, the first draft of Rise of Skywalker, what Rise of Skywalker was going to be, makes me just feel like he understood the film and that when they said no, I was like, why would they say no? It's because... And I and I don't money. like it when people yeah it's money I don't like it when people say oh they hate the Star Wars films like or they hate it's like no one no one is trying to ruin your film no one's trying to ruin your franchise okay oh, yeah. even the people making money they're not trying to ruin your franchise they saw this guy doing something creative they saw him doing something crazy I mean I'm talking like. Kylo Ren was meeting a Sith alien entity mm-hmm. and was going to was going to get some vampire powers. And I'd see that movie. Yeah, I'd so see that movie as well. Are in Star Wars all of a sudden, I'm there. But then they saw like what you were saying, Last Jedi and they were like, "Ooh, last time we tried to be creative, they didn't like it. How about we go back and we play it safe and we just give them exactly what they want?" It's like People don't know what they want. I'm sorry, but people, like, don't listen to people. Don't, like, I'm, there are so many times where I thought I wanted something in a film and a director gave me something else, and I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't get what I wanted. Like, <laughs> you yeah. 
And that's what Rise of Sky. I kid you not. Everything that I read or every fan theory that I ever freaking heard was jammed into that film. And I couldn't help but I've never rolled my eyes in a film before. <laughs> Until I saw Rise of Skywalker. I oh dude, I like you could hear how upset I was. Anyways, I'm gonna get off my thing. I'm gonna stop. I'm, oh no, you're uh, fine, dude. I'm, like you're 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 expressing something that is absolutely true, and it it's it's exactly what happened with DC as well. Like they were like, "Hey Zach, you're our guy. Do your thing." Up. Oh. Batman v Superman didn't do so well. Well, we're in the middle of Justice League, so we need to change the trajectory of that. And it's like, yeah. okay, well, that's how you end up with the theatrical cut of Justice League versus the Snyder cut of Justice League. And obviously we can get into the weeds about that, but, you know, given the fact that, like, well, you know, the Snyder cut, while it is superior, is still unreleasable in traditional, like, movie terms like you can't put a four-hour movie into theaters you know so that it, it it is its own can of worms in and of itself but do like, you think it's still objectively this is, speaking better than what they went with so i 100 yeah, percent agree holy like, crap that's the main thing have a vision and fucking stick to it stick and if it with fucks it up then then change direction on the next thing but don't change direction halfway on the same thing yeah I, uh, I think, yeah, honestly, I think this is, we, this was a great discussion. This went, this went in a roundabout way that I wasn't expecting, but I do, I do like what we came up with. I, I, I like the idea that we've established that we understand that, like, uh, Denis, uh, Villeneuve sees it as a product, right? And we can establish as a product, but it by no means discredits the people that work on the film. Yeah. Uh, I, I I really without going more off topic, I really don't have much else <laughs> to say. I'm so glad uh that we got to talk about this and you and you made me wait to talk about this for this weekend. <laughs> I'm 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 glad that we had like a, a full discussion about how filmmakers just need to maybe be a little more thoughtful with the things that they say yeah given how fans will react to it and we didn't even talk about what patty jenkins said wait what did patty jenkins say oh i don't know that's like a whole nother hour well we have 40 right. minutes so, so the, <laughs> have 40. When, when you when you mentioned because you kind of tease at the end of uh last week's episode like oh denis villeneuve said this thing so in the back of my mind i was thinking about what patty jenkins said and i was oh, like oh my god that's a great thing but patty then jenkins we went say. on like all of our tangents and all, st and all that stuff hey man so patty we gotta jenkins, stay on brand like and, and again like if, if this results in oh we just talked about it for 10 minutes that's great if we talk about it for 45 minutes cool whatever but Patty Jenkins did a panel at a convention, and this is technically, like, this is like a month old at this point. This is even older than what Denis Villeneuve said. But she was talking about streaming and streaming services and how streaming has, has it, like, I mean, obviously, we like, with Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime, etc., like, we knew that streaming was, like, a thing. But 2020 and the pandemic like really solidified like 
the entertainment landscape is now forever changed and streaming is here to stay because that's what we all watched last year we did like the theaters were no longer an option so we all caught up on like that's why tiger king fucking exploded because we were all at home watching netflix <laughs> so she's on this panel and basically talking about how she doesn't really like streaming services and part of it has to do with the fact that she directed wonder woman 1984 and it was supposed to be this big old that's why that name sounds familiar to me yeah uh oh, that movie makes me theatrical blockbuster and it wasn't because it was simultaneously released on hbo max so maybe some people saw it in theaters but mostly people watched it on hbo max and the, the the first thing that sticks out to me is um and I, I i don't i'm i'm scrolling through but i don't have her direct quote in front of me right now but she basically kind of took issue with the fact that wonder woman 1984 releasing on hbo max really had a lot to do with why it didn't do good at the box office and why it was technically a box office failure and when you read a filmmaker say something like that, my first thought is, well, yeah, so did the fucking pandemic. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And secondly, so did the fact of it being a shitty movie. It was bad. Like, I'm sorry, but it like... It was bad. It was real bad. Yeah. And she then goes on... It actually, uh, actually I, I will let you kind of comment on... Okay. On, on that little part, well, well, because like, I want to, because I'm doing that thing where I'm harping on one specific thing that she said, but dude, I have a freaking okay. rant. So, yeah, <laughs> like that's interesting that she would say, she would blame it on the streaming service. I do not. I can I can sympathize with her for blaming it on the streaming service. However, uh, I'm going to go back to what I said before. I guess this isn't a however. Uh, it, that it, whatever. I'm not going to try to correct that. <laughs> What I talked about DVDs, the transition from streaming service to DVDs. I think that the executives are really taking advantage of these movie people. I think contracts need to change with streaming services. And, and because of Scarlett Johansson, there should be a push, more of a, an eye-opener to that kind of stuff. Uh, people used to really, 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 and I say people, the movie industry relied a lot on DVDs and straight-to-video content and i know i'm repeating myself i know i said this earlier in the stream however i could definitely see why she is upset with the streaming service itself now i i don't know i like this could be a political thing maybe she's just one of those people that doesn't really like cohere into the to the pandemic or maybe she thinks that like theaters could have done differently but i think mm -hmm. either way like pandemic or not whether you you believe in it or not you have you have to believe in the fact that it is affecting what's going on <laughs> like you have to believe oh, yeah. in that much and, and and again like like bear in mind like we're talking about like, like we're in end of september 2021 wonder woman 1984 came out like december of 2020 so so this is still like when the shit's like really really bad did she this say like, this before or after wonder woman came out well well 
she she said it a month ago, but she is addressing events that transpired at the end of 2020. Wait, she said this a month ago? No, yeah, like she she was on a panel like a month ago what? at a convention, and she was and she's talking about like, <laughs> hey, like my movie didn't do well, and I kind of blame the fact that it was simul released on a streaming service because because the whole thing no. the whole kind of thing that she was going on was uh i so he, here's the you know so what yeah. else simul released on a streaming service black widow you know what else simul released on a streaming service corella deville you know what else simul released on a streaming service <laughs> uh hold on hold on hold on there's a there's got there's one that was a real big blockbuster that released on a streaming service i'm i'm announcing successes but i want to what's a blockbuster Technically, Shang Chi. Well, well, but well, but here, but here's the thing. Well, Shang Chi was only in theaters, but but this is why I'm, I'm bringing was this it? up. Oh, Shang- it was. That's right. Yeah, it was. That was the that was a whole other thing. Oh, Shang Chi no. was exclusively in theaters, but it released uh, Jungle Cruise August, too. early September. Um, but here's the thing: but like Shang Chi is early September. Was it early September or late August? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's it's late one summer. The same. Let's do that. So yeah. Shang-Chi comes out only in theaters late summer of 2021. Yeah. Wonder Woman 1984 comes out in December of 2020. We don't have a vaccine yet. Like you gotta like you gotta remember, like we're still in like the throes of it. Dude, fucking Biden just won. Like like we're still in the throes of all of that chaotic bullshit of like, you know, the the whole like November election. Like, that, like, that's at the... And so, like, for her to say, like, yeah, it was released on a streaming service and that, like, ruined the box office. And it's like, yeah, but there was some other shit going on, girl. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> like, other factors like, going on. on. Like, even... Okay, so... Because... I... Okay, so... Also, HBO didn't make you pay $30 to watch it. No, they made you pay 15 Well, I guess you're saying not an extra well, $30. Then, yes, on top yeah. of what you're already subscribed for. Then, yeah, yeah, that that's also true. Uh, here's my thing. The, I watched a, a documentary a long time ago, recommended by a friend. It was uh, Fighting... I forgot what it's called. It's like Fighting in the Age of... The Age of Fighting or something. It's a documentary about martial arts and basically how... Society affected a sport, or it, not a sport, but kind of like a culture, hobby slash now sport because of UFC and stuff like that. And it opened my eyes to the fact that where whatever is happening in current day really, really affects uh, everything. It affects media. It affects uh, your day to day life, and it affects. Uh, like the economy and stuff like that. And I don't think people realize that. I think like that quote, what she's saying really, really like stems to the fact that she, that movie I think was going to fail either way. I think that movie. It, well, okay. So I think she's it. I don't know. I'm out of context here, okay? So I'm going to say two different things. I'm going to go down two different roads. My first road is she's kind of in denial on the fact that the movie failed. (laughs) That's my first thing. My second thing is even if HBO didn't play that film, there was – I can't think of another movie that came out in theaters 
that did like amazing before vaccine before we started reopening holy shit dude i i just i just had an epiphany not not an epiphany but you know <laughs> you keep having those <laughs> no you, you just made me realize something Th- this ties in perfectly to what we were talking about earlier with the whole um steve ditko thing yeah so if you remember the uh Earlier in the podcast, we, we were talking about how when Warner Brothers announced, hey, we're going to simul release on HBO Max. And they were kind of like they they did it in the best way that they could where they like announced it. And then they were kind of retroactively like trying to make deals with everybody. Right. Yeah. So that was the deal that they made with Patty Jenkins, but also Gal Gadot was, hey, we know that you guys were supposed to, like, make points on the box office, but obviously because we're simul-releasing it on HBO Max, that's probably not going to come into play. Can we just cut you guys a check for $10 bucks? And both of them were like, yeah, sure. So, in my mind, like, that's kind of, like... Patty, you, you, you got you're like like you agreed to this deal you were like hey we want to simultaneously release on hbo max in exchange we'll give you 10 million dollars right here right now she says yes as opposed to absolutely not i'm gonna take the christopher nolan route and stand my ground that this needs to be a theatrical experience if people want to see wonder woman 1984 it is meant to be a big screen thing because i don't believe in streaming and people need to see movies in theaters but instead she took the check so i i feel like if you took the money you don't get to retroactively be all like nah streaming services are ruining cinema yeah i agree i agree correct me and and it's like dude you can think that if you want to verify something for me you took the money (laughs) did she does she think please verify this does she does she believe Mm -hmm. that Wonder Woman flopped because it had to compete with the streaming service. She feels like, well, and, and, and again, like this is exactly what happened with Tenet is like, she feels like it flopped because people chose to watch it on HBO max instead of going to see it in theaters. And it's like, and she said this no. a month ago. Yes. What the heck? And it's like, no, dude. People didn't go see it in theaters because there's a fucking virus going around that if you are in close proximity with somebody else who you don't know, you might fucking die. Okay, and that's that's why... why, People didn't go to the movies. (laughs) And that's why you brought up Shang-Chi, is because we're in a different stage. Yeah, and, and, and again, like, I mean, like... That's not to say that, like, everything's completely better now, because, like, even when Shang-Chi came out, the Delta variant okay. became a thing. And yeah, like, but people were more... It's still kind of risky, but... People were vaccinated and stuff like that. Okay. more open to it, and we're vaccinated So, and all that. yes, so, yeah, yeah, I have to agree. I, like, and now we're getting like, political, because we're talking I about think, vaccinations. I think that... Yeah. I, I do believe if Wonder Woman was put out so here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. If Wonder Woman was put out at a different time, like post-vaccination and stuff like that, where more a majority of people felt comfortable to go to the films. I'm not talking about, like, half people. I'm saying majority. Over 50% of people felt comfortable about going to the, to the theaters, kind of like how they do now. I, 
I still think Wonder Woman would have flopped because the film was was just not good. However, that's not the point I'm about to make. I think that Wonder Woman would have had a different view it like viewers. It does mm-hmm. not. This does not discredit Shang Chi though, because if Shang Chi came out during at December when Wonder Woman came out, it would not have done as good. It would it would not exactly. have succeeded. Exactly. And that's the point you're making, and that's where I have to agree with you. I do not think at all that the streaming service took away from Wonder Woman. I do believe it did, but I don't think it, it took away as much as she's probably making it out to be. It definitely was because we're going through a freaking pandemic, and whether you believe the virus is real or not, society is being affected by this pandemic. Like, it's globally <laughs> being affected by this pandemic. <laughs> and so this for her to say that the streaming service was the issue i do agree with her in the fact that streaming services are being vultures and they're 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 just absolutely taking advantage of something that um they probably shouldn't be doing uh morally but that's a whole nother conversation right. i do not agree with her in the fact that her movie would have done better in December because right. if streaming, like if you get rid of HBO max or you get rid of HBO, she wasn't on there. I still think her movie would have done bad. And here's the thing though. Here's the thing. Wonder woman was a great success. So people wanted to see wonder woman, 1984. Nobody knew diddly squat about Shang Chi. Shang Chi didn't have a previous success. He it didn't have previous backings. And it, it did good. It did good because, one, it's in a better life cycle of the pandemic. And, two, because it's it's freaking um, released. Well, never mind. I was going to say because it, really, it was a summer blockbuster. But set, holiday films have a bubble as well. So mm-hmm. she... Never mind then. Well, and, and, and here's the other thing, Mario. I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm, I'm going to ask it to you like a lawyer, because one of the, the, the main rules about being a lawyer is that you don't ask questions that you don't already know the answer to. Okay. But you, sir, are also a lawyer in this scenario because you know the answer to this question. I'm going to ask it to you anyway. I, I'm so scared I'm going to answer wrong now. What is Patty Jenkins currently in pre-production on? Oh, fuck. I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> no, you do. So Patty Jenkins is the director of Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman Two. Oh my God! Is it? What is she, is she work- currently in pre-production on? Is it Wonder Woman Three? Yes. So what the fuck are you complaining about? <laughs> You're making another Wonder Woman movie. How did this affect your career whatsoever? No. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what my first theory was. Is she is like they greenlit a third movie even though the second one didn't do that well so clearly it did well enough well she's not why are we having this conversation she doesn't want to blame covid because that's probably taking a political stance so she and she doesn't want to put it on herself saying yeah i i I effed up making the film so who else are you going to blame the streaming services wrote a really shitty script right you're not she doesn't want to do that yet rock has powers and no rules until I need it to have rules. God, it's so bad. I, I like that movie hurt me. The, the, the thing is, 
It could just be like, and it's also it's kind of it's kind of a fad right now. She's going. It's kind of smart of her to say that because she's going ahead of the curve, and uh, because everyone's starting to hate streaming services right now. Like one, there's there's too many. They're starting to become too many. Two, they're they're taking advantage of the film industry and they're they're hurting people of the film industry and you know people are kind of on Scarlett Johansson's side with that kind of crap. So so I think she's like she's she's being smart. Like she's kind of doing like I'm not saying it's a publicity stunt, but she's being smart about like weaving this story, but uh, should still probably be like uh, taking oh responsibility God. for her her actions. <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, the plot thickens. No, dude, I just full circled this entire two hour plus conversation. Another epiphany. No, 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 this is not an epiphany. This is just me fucking around on IMDb and thinking that I saw something earlier that I was like, wait, I thought it was one thing, but it's actually this thing. And now I'm realizing, no, I was right in the beginning. And that just makes us more interesting. Okay. 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 So before we even started this conversation, because uh, of course in the back of my mind I was like Patty Jenkins. If like we're, like I know we're going to talk about Denis Villeneuve because we teased that last week. I knew we were going to talk about uh, MCU and Steve Ditko and lawsuit and all that stuff because you and I talked about it yesterday. And I was like, okay, if we get to Patty Jenkins, we'll get to it. So I just mentioned to you that Patty Jenkins is in pre-production uh, producing and directing Wonder Woman 3. Another thing that I knew that she was in pre-production to direct is she is doing her own version of Cleopatra, which is basically like I think I've heard something on this. Yeah. of the uh, Egyptian leader, like which has already been made into a movie, but now this is going to be Patty Jenkins' take on the character. Okay. Starring Gal Gadot. Oh, because of course. Why they, not? They, yeah. But when we were talking about Denis Villeneuve earlier and Uh I finally got my computer working and I was able to pull up his IMDb, I was like, okay, cool. And on a list of movies that Denis Villeneuve is directing is Cleopatra. And so in my head, I was like, wait a minute. I thought Patty Jenkins was doing that. Uh Oh, well, well, shit. I must have. Well, uh, clearly, I I read that wrong, oh, and it's and it's because no. I was like because I was scrolling through the the IMDb listing for Cleopatra, and I didn't see Gal Gadot, and I was like, oh, okay, well, shit, maybe they're both doing Cleopatra movies. So different movies. They're both in prep on movies about Cleopatra that have nothing to do with each other. This is just like when the Jungle when Disney did Jungle Book, and Andy Serkis did Mowgli. For Netflix. Was that a coincidence or was that? Yes. This happens all the time. Like, dude, remember Snow White and the Huntsman? When Charlize Theron was the the queen and Chris Hemsworth was the the guy with the axe and Kristen Stewart was playing Snow White? Yeah. There's another movie called Mirror Mirror where Julia Roberts is the queen and uh, uh, Lily Collins is Snow White. It's Armageddon and Deep Impact. This happens all the time. That's so crazy. I thought I made like a clerical error, but no, they're both apparently <laughs> in prep on Cleopatra movies. Well, honestly, oh, that's weird. I I I'd love to just end it on that random note. <laughs> I love it. 
Yeah, we're, you know what? That is a good note to end it on because we're talking about how filmmakers need to be treated with more respect because they have originality of vision and we don't want to copy anybody else. And, Boom, sucker. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Thank you guys. We always, we always find the lesson at the end of each of these episodes. Oh my god. If you enjoyed this podcast, this take of me and Jeff uh, speaking about doing it, uh, give us a subscribe. Give us a like. Uh, tell us your thoughts in the comment section below. And this is uh, this is a huge reason. This is a big plus uh, for, uh, I guess, with YouTube for us right now. Because uh, we get to hear people's thoughts. We get to get some feedback on the, the channel. If you're listening to us on the podcast, I would love to hear some of your feedback. Please. Uh, find us at Digital Hero One Zero One on YouTube and um, tell us tell us what you thought of the channel. Tell us uh, or of the channel of the sh- of the episode. Give us your opinion. Or are you happy whenever people speak out? Are you not happy whenever pe- people speak out? Do you not care? Uh, let us know. And until next time, play nice. <laughs>